0: It's Tuesday, November fifteenth, twenty twenty-two, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast.
1: Smoky, this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules.
2: Today, Junior America, Steak for
3: Breakfast. So stand by.
4: This episode of the podcast is
0: brought to you as always by Man Rubs. Rubs barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again it can be found at ManRubs.com and on Instagram ManRubs. Use the code Steak15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. There at StayReadyGear.com and on Instagram StayReadyGearUSA. Holsters,
5: custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just
0: for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use code STEAK for five percent off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the My Pillow family getting ready to crank out some holiday savings. They've got the new My Pillow Pet Throws, My Pillow Classics, obviously the Erland Dells, the My Slippers Version One and Two, and Giza Dream Everything. When you're in a promo code steak at checkout, you're going to experience big, big savings. More of a morning person. They've launched my coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. In a promo code steak there, you're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off if you sign up for a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for everything sleep related. MyStore.com forward slash steak for everything coffee related. Or you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can always be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, or under a little bit of pressure, oh, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company, aged three years, hand-picked from the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. You enter promo code it at checkout there. You're going to get a uh, 15% off your total purchase. Every purchase, over $100, is going to have free shipping. And every purchase comes with a $10 e-gift card. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you, live, if you don't live in Canada and you're into the tradesies, he's also got a five-star rating. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast packs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. Mediocre is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. That can only be found at Dumpbox. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Find him on Instagram, find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack telegram channel, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network, via the Roku app, from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Getter, Twitter, and True Social. Welcome! Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 187. I'm Roan. Noah's out of the office today, Antoinette should be here, we might even have a little Alan Jacoby joining us as well, it's all up for debate, but uh, what else is up for debate is still some of these races, leadership in the U.S. House, Senate, and also the Republican chair, we've got some of our greatest friends coming in today, we've got a big announcement from President Trump coming this evening, but before we get into any of that, let's jump right into the news. Joining us first on the show today, he's the former Chief of Staff to the Department of Defense. Special assistant to the 45th president of the United States, Donald John Trump. He's a steak for breakfast enjoyer, one of our great friends. Mr. Cash Patel, thanks for coming back on the show.
6: Thanks so much for having me. It's quite the day. I'm down here in Palm Beach. I don't know. There's rumors about.
0: It is a uh, should be one of the biggest day in the history of politics, according to uh, one of Donald John Trump's truths yesterday so we're pretty excited about that a lot of speculation going on and uh, I think we all know what's coming he's teased it along the campaign trail for quite some time Uh, let's just say without without letting the cat out of the bag cash how excited are you what's your excitement level at today
6: well you know normally would be a lot of excitement and after recalibrating after the midterms I just realized that it is the only thing that can unify the base and learn a valuable on how to win elections going forward, and we'll dive into it. But we did not do enough to engage the independent voting bloc of this country to win the elections where we needed to win them. Now, I know mail-in ballots are a major issue, and I've got opinions on that. But if you engage pendants early on our values, we win. If you don't and the Democrats play their games, they win. And we learned that the hard way.
0: No, we certainly did. And uh, let's take it back we'll just go through the progression of it and we'll eventually get back to where we're starting at right now. So the midterm elections uh not as much of a red tsunami or wave as a lot of people, you know, speculated there were 8 million more Republican voters who came out. It's just that where they came out and in what fashion they voted in uh kind of led into the results we're at here. We're looking at anywhere between 219 and 221 in the US House of Representatives. The best we could do in the US Senate is a tie with the Herschel Walker runoff if we can uh Winning on December sixth, which I'm fully confident that we will, and uh, you know we sit here today with a, a broken GOP, a broken Republican Party. Mm-hmm. It just, it's just—it's funny to me how Donald Trump pointed out a lot of these things, especially regarding leadership over the course of the last couple of years, probably starting around the 2018 midterm elections, and then all the way up through this election cycle. Uh, but but now it's for you know a lot of the nation, it's on display for them. They see the blatant problems, the, um, I mean, honestly, when it comes to the money, the corruption, the good old boy and and good old gal uh, groups that go around here. And if you're not going to, you know, bend the knee to the K street mafia and the Republican establishment, then you're going to have a hard time getting over the finish line come election day. And that's just the fact of the matter right now.
6: Yeah. I mean, thankfully we got the house and we'll, you know, we're going to launch some serious investigations into oversight that need to happen for accountability, but you're right. I mean, What our problem is, is that we were never been better than the Dems at cohesiveness around a mutually shared end goal. And the Republican Party has been divisive since Donald Trump entered the floor and they continue to. The Paul Rines and Liz Chains and Kinzinger's of the world and Carl Rose and all these other uh, remnants and relics of rhino history past, which are never coming back. And what we need to do is make sure that our brand of conservative modernism is the forefront. Republican Party—they have every right, the guys I just named and gals—to siphon off and break out and try to regain control of their party. But what has to happen is a unification behind a shared goal, which is the Democrats cannot be in power because what they do to our border, what they do to our country, at the time allow allow drugs to be poured in and kill our youth by a Chinese fentanyl and other disastrous policies overseas. These are the policies that we ran on. Have an overarching. Uh, template that Donald Trump laid out. But our problem was we didn't come together at the state level to show independence and a large voting block how those issues would affect their daily kitchen table life. How is it going to improve the life of my son or daughter? Where are they going to go to school? What job are you going to have? Are you opening a factory? These are messages that Donald Trump can generally talk about, but the can- campaigns have to manage their constituencies. And a lot of them failed. And the voters showed up and fit. Look, whether you want to count all the election votes or not, one plus million votes for a Senate candidate for the Democrat is a lot of people. Yeah, And the same goes for gubernatorial races out West. And I hammered out West uh, harder than anywhere uh, that I ever did. And the only race we got across the finish line was Lombardo as governor in, the, in Nevada. And, you know, and thankfully so and people keep telling me, yeah, that the regimes out there failed to address the election day issues of surrounding mail and ballot. And, and yeah, we did. We just complained about it. We didn't offer solutions and we didn't play the game. The Democrat, those are the rules in place. If the Republican Party wants to win, it has to put in people who are going to change the rules. And until they do that, then you have to maximize the rules. People aren't going to like me. But the Republican Party needs to get on Election Day and early voting and get our people and independents to mail them in for us.
0: No, you make a whole lot of sense there. I think when it comes down to, like you said, the issues, the kitchen table issues, there were a lot of polls came out. One of the ones we always reference, because it's probably one of the more liberal ones, so the numbers are actually probably higher. But, you know, 75% of the entire electorate went to the ballot box on November 8th, thinking the country is going in the wrong direction. 60% of those people went to the ballot box angry. And uh, we still get the milk toast results that we're kind of reaping right now. And the fact of the matter is, is that as the game has changed, we've kind of... You know, it's like I I always tell people, places like Michigan, Michigan just lost their uh, state uh, House and Senate for the first time in Mm -hmm. almost 50 years. It's now going to be Democrat. And when Donald Trump broke the mold and broke the blue wall in 2016 by winning Michigan and places like Pennsylvania, Those were anomalies. Those were people really just went out and voted emotionally and got Donald Trump over the finish line. Resounding and historic wins, albeit we have poured the same kind of time, money and effort into those places who aren't willing to change since. Uh, At the same time, we've seen uh, total number losses in places like Wisconsin, Ohio, Nevada, Arizona, uh, Georgia, North Carolina. Even though our candidates are still winning in some contexts and in some races, uh, they're definitely not as safe historically as they've been. So as early voting and mail-in ballots become a major component of the entire electorate system now, it's time for the game to change. And I'm pretty sure that moving forward, if Donald Trump's getting ready to roll out, as we all speculate, his 2024 presidential campaign tonight, that's going to be a huge factor moving forward.
6: No, it has to be. You cannot win national elections. You cannot win the Senate. You cannot win the House. You cannot win the White House if you run on our old school political ethos alone. You have to go out there and win Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. If you don't, we lose. We lost the last presidential election by 45,000 votes in three of those four states. How many times do we have to lose in every one of those states before our party gets it? And look, there are people like Mitch McConnell and company who would rather see the destruction of our party than its success with other future leaders. And that has to be taught to everybody that these people are willing to sacrifice for America for the glorification of their own egos. You have to get up and get out there and find new candidates and find yourselves not at the voting boots on polling day, but going out and playing the mail-in ballot game, the Democrats, they go out and corral the independents and drop 100 freaking votes uh, lawfully in those states. And then we have a chance at winning 100,000 and 50,000 margins are what we're talking about. And those margins were literally mailed in weeks before Election Day. The Democrats won the election before Election Day and they knew it. They yeah, played the game and we complained about
0: it. in places that are legitimately purple, like Pennsylvania and in places that are a little more... You know, rosy reddish like Arizona. We did see large numbers of mail-in ballots come in. I think there was a lot of different factors that went into that. Just like what was set up over the course of COVID, obviously gives people the luxury of doing it. But then you have people. You want to talk about leadership? We'll go right down the rung. We call it McLeadership on the show. We, we we've adapted that <laughs> phrase from uh, the great editor-in-chief of the National Pulse, Mr. Raheem Kassam, who was a guest on the show the other day and gave quite a you know MAGA breakdown of uh, everything that's going on and is kind of you know part of the group that's circling the wagons. He was at mar lago mm-hmm. on election night. And uh, definitely knows that Donald Trump is the number one horse in this race. But, you know, Ron McDaniel, Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, you want to throw Tom Emmer in there? He, he's definitely a part of it. I think Lindsey Graham was kind of an X factor, even though he went out and campaigned with a lot of the candidates. He was also talking about that abortion thing everywhere he went, you know, yeah. the 15 week yeah. ban, which here's the thing. If, if someone's just not interested in politics, right, but but you're hearing something like that and it bothers you, you're a Democrat or you're an independent, you're a Republican moderate, yeah. you might just go D straight down and mail it in and then you can't get that vote back. Uh, you know, that, no. that, that now you have to have two votes to, to get past that one of someone who might not have voted in the election cycle. And I, I think in places like Michigan, like Georgia, we, we saw that on the ballot and, and it definitely came out and, and affected some of the candidates who uh, probably had a better than average chance to win going in.
6: Look, I talked to Devin Nunes, I talked to President Trump last night too, and, and yeah, look, abortion is an issue, it's a major issue, and here's the reality, 70% single women broke for the Democrats. I mean, 70% of single women usually run away from me anyway, so I'm used to that, but as a party, we can't allow that in all seriousness, because that is a chunk of the voting block that we ignored because we allowed the Democrats to produce their misinformation, mat- disinformation campaign on the Hobbes decision and what it did to Roe versus Wade. And what it did was what the constitution prescribed is it made it a state issue, meaning your state has to decide the rules on abortion, not the federal government. That is as pure federalism and as pure of a pure conservative understanding of the original text of the constitution, as you can get why we didn't message on that. And the Democrats did, they just said, Oh, the Republicans are going to go national and take away your right to your body. That's not the message or the law. And we completely missed. And look at the polls. This is hard fact data. 70% of women we lost, single women were lost to the Democratic Party. That's almost the margin in every race we lost. When you put in minors, not minors, when you put in the youth who are too busy sipping digital Chinese fentanyl, on TikTok, it's another area we need to improve. We're never gonna win. We're never gonna win if we don't fix the mail-in ballot system, play by those rules, and then actually own the information campaigns factually. But when you talk about people like the current Republican leadership, you have to go out there and not just say this is a problem, find a solution. And you know whether it's gonna be Speaker McCarthy or not, I think the fact that we're having a conversation about who is the next speaker is a good thing because it's going to hopefully force concessions to have people in the House of Representatives who have the gavel, the chair seat, who own the committees and the subpoena power and oversight authority without begging from the Speaker of the House. These concessions have to be made now, so I'm glad we're having the conversations now rather than having elected and anointed a Speaker of the House who owns the power like Paul Ryan did. And then you have to beg him for a favor. And he showed us how to ruin righteous investigations like Russiagate. The next Speaker of the House has to do the opposite and let his chairman and women run free to investigate Fauci, to investigate the and to investigate DOJ, FBI, and so many other
0: things. Yeah, you want to talk about investigations? I, I was watching right before I jumped on with you, Alejandro Mayorkas, getting his ass grilled up on Capitol Hill right now. <laughs> uh, we've er- we've already saw the head of CBP, uh, Commissioner Magnus, had to step down disgracefully this this week after you mm-hmm. know just complete incompetence on the border. He's kind of like the first fall guy after the midterm elections for a lot of people who are you know just dipping their toe in the political pool. You see a lot of switches at the high level positions, but that was one obviously with the mismanagement on the border that we saw coming. We think all. Andre Mayorkas is definitely in the crosshairs after January when the new Congress is sworn in. But you make a really great point about leadership. You know, Donald Trump was extremely smart to support candidates but not support positions, not knowing what was going to be on the other head of the uh, or on the other side of the midterm election. So, you know, he endorsed Kevin McCarthy for his house race but never gave a full endorsement to Speaker. Then you kind of see what's gone on over the course of the last week to 10 days. And now you have Andy Biggs throwing his hat in the ring. You have uh-huh. Jim Banks throwing his hat in the ring. And, and people like that, you know, there, there's a lot of people who are saying that even though Ronald McDaniel has put out there that you know she's accumulated the votes to win GOP chair again. That there are people out there like maybe Lee Zeldin who want to get in the in the fight right now oh. and, and challenge her for leadership. And we and we just saw you know over the last couple of days some of the really big dogs on the Senate sides, the Ted Cruz, the Rand Pauls, the Josh Hawleys, all say you know it's time for a complete. Tear down of the current Republican leadership and and time to build it up in the image of what the people actually want represented up on Capitol Hill, which I think is marvelous. Josh Hawley is one of our favorite senators on this show. And, uh, you know, we hope that he continues to, uh, you know, keep punching like that.
6: Yeah, they get it. It's not top down. These old school iconoclastic rhinos, as I call them think this party exists to service their own ego, much like the government gangsters that are currently out there, like Chris Ray and everybody. They're no different at some levels because they think these institutions and these organizations and this country exists to service them. No, the Republican Party exists to service the people, and then the people choose what goes up the pipeline and up the chain of command and who sits atop of it. You can't have these clubs and clans get together and say, well, we are the 168 voting bloc. We don't care what the GOP has to say from the member level, from the constituent level, from the citizen level, we're going to force it down. That is what they've been doing to us the last couple of decades. And this is a tectonic shift that these guys are calling for, Josh Hawley and company, that our Republican leadership needs to change so it recognizes that it works for the citizenry and the people and not the other way around. I mean, these people are literally in leadership positions and doing the same things that I bludgeon the government gangsters for doing which is almost is which is running an empire of corruption to benefit their pockets and their egos and rather than serve the country which and the party they're supposed to serve and I'm glad to call them out I don't have a problem with it they want to yell at me fine I'll debate any one of them anywhere on the merits of what they've done in these leadership positions in the last 4 years and what they've done is in the house and the senate to the democrats and given the senate back to the democrats and we and they put out these candidates together in unison. And now they want to turn around and say, Donald Trump, your fault for no red wave. What's he supposed to do? Run the country and every single campaign in America when we have poor candidates being put out by these people. And then they take their funding away from the Republican candidates who actually have a chance of winning in places like Arizona and Alaska because of their egos. And we don't show them the door. We are at fault, not the Democrats. We are at fault if we don't change people and these leadership positions today.
0: You talked about that money and influence, it's exactly where I wanted to segue through. Probably the big three, obviously Rupert Murdoch, Paul Singer, and uh, Ken Griffin are going to be the ones that have been already following behind the scenes. Because of their control of the money and the media and a lot of influencers out there, they're already starting to get that Don Don versus Ron Ron narrative out there, which is kind of manufactured. It's, it's, it's literally people who donate to Ron DeSantis' campaign that are the ones that, you know, they're the ones who are uh, instigating a lot of this stuff online and, and, and pushing out those narratives in the mainstream media, like on Fox News and Newsmax, but uh, it's like you said, Donald Trump single-handedly, as a private citizen, poured more time, money, and effort into this midterm election than anyone else who works in the Republican establishment in the GOP, where it is their actual job to do that. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what else people can't wrap their brains around. Like these rallies are not cheap; they're not free. All the legal stuff is not cheap; it's not free doing tele-rallies on the phone and setting up all these schedules where there's, you know, money trying to get into these campaigns and really helping out these America First candidates. It's not cheap. It's not free. And Donald Trump went on his own dime for for the most part and just did it all on himself, plus physically being there at, uh, you know, almost mm-hmm. 35 rallies throughout the course of the midterm election season. It's just an embarrassment to push the blame off that bad. Are you surprised already to see uh, like that big three of, of the money donors, the, the close to trillionaires when you put them all together, um, getting uh, a coalition together to try and go after Donald Trump and using Ron DeSantis pretty much as the sacrificial lamb?
6: Not surprised to see it all. And it's their money. Good. Let them spend it where they want. And that is a perfect example of the Republican Party. I don't want they want to buy the Republican Party back. That reminds me of the McConnells of the world and the leadership that we currently have in place that takes them from the American people and takes their money to buy a regime. That is not the Republican party in which America first values are. That is not the Republican party that Donald Trump created, recreated and reformed, And is going to roll out tonight with an America first agenda. And here, look down here at Mar-a-Lago. I'm ready. I'm getting ready to go over there. I talked to 10 billionaires yesterday that are all going to be at Mar-a-Lago tonight. So it's not like we don't have the money on our side just because we don't have the biggest swinging sticks. You don't need it. What you need, and I keep telling people, this is the ground game. You need the grass dollar donations because those people are going to show up for you. Those people are going to get to man election cycles for you and those people will hopefully get the mail-in ballot game going that we need to win by. Not the millionaires and the billionaires. There you're right. They're just using Ron with the media as a blocking tackle to get rid of Trump, to dump Trump. And that's their right. It's their money. They can do whatever they want with it. But what I'm saying is their money cannot buy our country, nor can it buy the candidacy no matter who they pair up with, Fox News, Newsmax, or what have you. Enough outlets out there putting out the truth, and you don't need to be on the ones that are putting out disinformation or currying favor with the heavyweights because they have a chairman and Paul Ryan or a board member who, who, who hates Donald Trump openly and obviously runs Fox News in that fashion. And so, you know what? I don't really want to participate in conversations that they think they can go out and buy America. That is the very contradiction of what America was founded on and stood up on. And look, the Democrats, they cohesiveness around a money cycle is, you know, while I don't like it, it's impressive in their unity. And what we have to do is sideline these people once and for all and unify behind a movement once and for all so that we are the mission together and that no one person can stop line, um, us because of their campaigns in the media or their dollars. And the only leader that I see that we can unify behind is Donald Trump. And that's why I'm going to Mar-a-Lago tonight.
0: No, it, it, it's quite a few great points that you make there, Cash. You just want to talk about leadership overall in general. Let's get jump into geopolitics just for a second here. We saw Joe Biden's embarrassment of a trip to the, uh, you know, the COP20, the the G20 that's going on right now as well. So I don't know if, you, if you've heard in the last hour, he's decided to put an early lid on it. And even though it took him nearly two days to travel uh, out there, he will be not showing up at the press conference slash, uh, you know, state dinner that they're having for for all the world leaders there. He's not going. Um, and, and, you know, MBS is going to be there. President Xi is going to be there. All the Yeah, world leaders-
6: my problem with this trip is uh, solely based in the outrage that I feel from a national security position. Yes. He finally met with the leader of the CCP in Xi Jinping, Chinese head, the guy who is probably more powerful uh, than Mao Zedong ever will be because he's instituted himself for life. And what is the one thing our commander-in-chief did not bring up at this meeting? Chinese fentanyl a national crisis that is invading our border through the Mexican cartels in China. Our president, on his watch, has lost 100,000 American youth to this, to this drug, and he doesn't even have the gall to bring it up with the Chinese premier. Instead, he's out there slapping around a fake win about China not invading Taiwan, as if that were ever going to happen, And while he's out there, he speaks nothing of the genocide that we declared formally under Trump, a triple genocide in China by the CCP against the Uyghurs, against the Falun Gong, and against a third group in China. And so this is the commander in chief out there on a photo tour, probably sleeping for 23 hours a day. And he doesn't have the audacity to take on the Chinese premier and question and stop, stop the Chinese fentanyl coming into our country. That is a complete failure in national security from our chief. And now the deaths of these children and the deaths of young Americans are on Joe Biden. They have been on Joe Biden's hand for his failure at the border. But now that he's had the opportunity to cut it off and fail to even bring it up, I hope every parent in America and every young adult, grandparent in America is listening because this is the one thing that is going to kill our youth more than any drug on planet Earth. And our commander-in-chief just failed to shut the gates on Chinese fentanyl.
0: Yeah, it certainly is uh, amazing to see him not bring up, like you said, the Uyghurs, uh, the slave labor, the TikTok issue, stuff going on with Taiwan, obviously getting... Absolutely lapped in trade again and uh, just go over there for, for a photo op. He puts on a, a you know, what someone consider a culturally appropriate uh, bib uh, and and walks around with Justin Trudeau and, and Bill Gates and all the other morons that are over there just, you know, laughing it up and talking about how they're going to uh, unregulatedly print trillions of dollars to fight climate change, which doesn't necessarily exist when you look at it from you know certain angles. So it's it's just one of those things it's an embarrassment and and so is he and I mean I think you kind of elaborated on that cash. One other thing I wanted to touch with you on, I mean over the course of the last year year and a half you have become a best-selling author. Your children's book series, The Plot Against the King, The Plot Against the King, 2000 Mules, uh, are, are something that has changed and shaped a whole lot of young minds. It's brought families closer together. It's it's educationally tying people into everything that's going on in in, in Trump world over the course of the last half decade and you've made learning fun again which is which is absolutely (laughs) fantastic my kids love our books my son still giggles at all the pictures when when he looks through it all the time and uh you've you've got a little christmas um plan coming together with these books you want to tell our listenership about that we've got the holiday
6: special ready for everybody for plot against the king Go to plot against the kingdom and we thought yeah Not enough people know about Russiagate. Not enough people know about election integrity. So we wrote The Plot Against the King and The Plot Against the King, 2,000 Mules. President Trump launched them both to number one status on Truth Social. It's not just for kids. It's for adults, too, who don't understand and want to quickly learn a fun way about truth, mission, faith, and service, but also our history. We shouldn't deprive our youth of our history in Russiagate or election integrity. So we created a fun Christmas package. You get a Christmas ornament. You get a green mug. That says communist tears on you. That's just for you, Rome, the green mug. <laughs> I like communist it. Tears. And we give you a steak for breakfast discount today. Go to plotagainstheking.com, get the whole bundle at a discount. I signed both books. You're going to get some Christmas Mary, some Holiday Mary, some mugs, some ornaments. You're going to have a blast at king.com. And more importantly, you're going to help change the landscape of our education platform and how you spend the holidays with your family and your kids in a fun way. It's not even political. What's wrong with teaching our kids history? What's wrong with teaching them the truth and how to investigate, uh, based on fact and not fiction. No, in fact, that Google and the left hates, it just makes me believe <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing a better job. And I saw some haters out there. All I'm doing is selling books. Yeah. After 16 years in governments, I'm making a living somehow. So if you don't want to participate, that's okay. I'll take your critique on truth social all day long. No problem. But I will not aim into, uh, uh, selling out of these books, plot Go silence the deafening media who will not stand for the truth and buy the holiday package now.
0: No, you guys got to get it and, and look at it this way. For someone that's out there who's making education, family time, and just knowing everything that's gone on in our government great again, He's uh, doing it with a lot less insider trading than some of the people that you uh, appreciate up on Capitol Hill. So he's doing it the right way. He's, he's bringing it back to the family. Cash Patel has always been a uh, mission-first, mission-forward guy, and that's why we love him on this show. Cash, for someone that's going to be uh, sitting in the front row tonight, got to be pretty excited. You want to take our audience out just uh, wh- where we go from here and uh, where we could find you on social media.
6: At Cash is the only place on Truth Social I exist. At Cash at KSH. That's it. If you're following, you think you're following me on Telegram or Facebook or Twitter, it ain't me. It's some other brown guy.
0: (laughs) There are a lot of them out there, so you got to watch out. He's definitely our favorite brown guy. He's the former chief of staff to the Department of Defense, Donald Trump, special advisor to President Uh, Trump. Mr. Cash Patel, thanks for joining us on the show today.
7: What's going to happen when we hear about this vote dump in about, I don't know, minutes? It could be, Kerry.
8: I I don't know. We know. We think we should be in good shape. There's a hundred. I mean, look at my notes, 158,000 ballots that have not been counted yet. And 94,000 of those are in Maricopa County where they took our sacred vote. And they, and they just made a mockery of it. It's outrageous, Jesse, what happened. I had a man come up to me at breakfast yesterday and said, I showed up to vote. There was a three hour line. They said the tabulator machines were not working. I drove across the way and went to another 15 minute drive to another center and the printing, uh, printers weren't working. They had no toner in them. <laughs> I drove another 20 minutes and finally voted. It was a half a day odyssey to cast my vote and we're getting thousands of people reaching out saying, exact same thing. We don't know how many people just finally gave up because it was so hard to vote. And when they did get to the front of the line only to find out the tabulator wasn't going to count their vote, it was going to be brought downtown, put it in a bin and we'll bring it downtown and we'll count it later. It's an embarrassment. And I'm going to fight for the people of Arizona that everybody's vote is counted. This is sacred. This is outrageous what they did here in Maricopa County. And the people that were supporting me, they knew were showing up on election day. And I don't know if there's any malicious intent to the mockery they made of the people who showed up to cast their vote, or if this is just complete ineptitude. But either way, it's got to stop. Arizona will no longer be the laughingstock of elections around the world. Third world countries run elections better. If she comes out ahead at the end of this thing, how would you legally go about challenging this? Well, I can't imagine our our version of Joe Biden, Katie Hobbs, would win because she didn't even campaign. She hid in her basement. She's a twice convicted racist. I don't believe that people of Arizona would vote for her and that she would win. But if that's what happens at the end of the day, how do you certify an election that is this botched? And she's the one that would certify her own election where it was botched, where the machines didn't work in more than a third of the polling centers. I don't know how we remedy this. But the people of Arizona are furious. They're reaching out to us by the thousands saying, I don't think my vote even was counted. I didn't even get a chance to vote. There were so many hoops to jump through. I had to go because my daughter had a a track meet or my work wasn't going to give me four hours off to six hours off to vote. It's outrageous what happened. We had lines that were three and four hours long in retirement areas where people were old. And all of this happened in Republican areas. My area where I was going to vote the printer didn't work there wasn't enough toner in the printer so I went to a liberal part of town and got right in and out in about 15 minutes it's funny how that works in Arizona Yeah I
9: mean if Katie's in charge of the ink and toner for the election as secretary of state <laughs> and there's no ink and toner and it's causing these and types of problems charge. this is this this can't stand this can't you can't have someone in charge of that kind of incompetence
8: And she's in charge of certifying the machines and the two guys who are counting the ballots in Arizona or in Maricopa County formed a pack to try to bring down MAGA candidates such as myself. So there's all kinds of unethical behavior going on in Arizona and the people are taking notice and they are not happy right now. All right. Well, a few
0: hours after that, the official announcement would come out to say that Carrie Lake had lost her bid to be the next governor of Arizona. Welcome to Steak for Breakfast. Um, Alan Jacoby, the host of The Great Divide, is here today in uh, the co-pilot seat for Noah and our favorite Chewbacca. Antoinette's with us as well.
10: Hey, guys. (laughs) What's
11: happening?
0: Guys, thanks for, for being here with us. Listen, before we get into anything else, I appreciate the fact that everybody's listening today. Welcome. If you're in for the first time, make sure you're sharing. Steak for breakfast content on all social media platforms. Also subscribe to the show on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, Keep in mind also that we have a live edition of the show every Saturday morning, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, It's across Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, CloudHub, Getter. Uh, Chats are open. If if you like the show and you want to interact a little bit with us, get a weekly recap and all the breaking news from Friday afternoon and beyond. Uh, Tune into the Great Steak Breakfast on Saturday mornings. As well, so here we go. Just a uh, little bit of reflection and uh, sadness, I think, as, mm-hmm. as as we jump into you know the end of the midterm election season now with uh, the announcements coming in Arizona yesterday, and uh, it, it it was kind of really disappointing to see uh, how a lot of this uh, you know election stuff turned out. I, I can't take into consideration. Uh, some of the missteps along the way in Republican establishment leadership. But if you want to look at it as, you know, a whole scorecard, then what can you say? There were a lot of things we just refused to do, adapt and change along the way that led to our, uh, you know, the results that we didn't want in this midterm election and and the losses for some of the great candidates that we had out there uh, across the country. I think uh, one of the biggest components, you know, looking in the mirror right now, as a whole, is the uh, early voting and mail-in ballots and the use of more than just one or several social media platforms. I I think those are two of the biggest things that didn't um, really resonate nationally with a lot of the America First candidates. Uh, You know, we show up on game day has been like uh, one of our charges since 2016. And uh, in retrospect now, I think it's time to change. Uh, we we need to start uh, tapping into that other component. The elections have changed since 2016, and uh, especially after 2018 midterms with, with the COVID stuff that came shortly after that. And, uh, you know, you, you, you got to take into consideration if you're not willing to change and, and start really looking into some of the root causes uh, of why we didn't have massive successes in this midterm election, then, uh, you know, people like Kevin McCarthy, who's having a hard time getting the votes to be Speaker of the House today up on Capitol Hill, uh, Mitch McConnell, who came out this week. I believe he has a 7% overall total favorability rating. And uh, Ronna McDaniel, who has never won anything, period, in her time as the GOP chairwoman, uh, all need to be seriously looked at and in in, uh, hopefully any way, shape, or form removed from prominent leadership positions moving forward. The same goes for people like Tom Emmers, who's not going to be the – um, NRCC and RCC anymore and things like that. So it, it, it's really interesting to see how this all kind of worked out. I mean, but, you know, that, that whole blueprint for how elections are conducted was changed in 2018, and uh, it just seems like we haven't been able to adapt adequately enough to, uh you know, do the things that we need to do to combat 60 or 70% of the total electorate in the Democrat Party voting before game day um i know there's a lot of people out there you know still cranking out hopium uh lawyers stop the steal this that and the other thing i just want everybody to keep in mind uh, it was one of the things i pointed out on social media yesterday if you guys remember back when brian kemp first ran for governor of georgia i believe in the 2018 cycle he was a uh, he was the secretary of state in, in georgia and he certified his own election afterwards and they've, they've had just as many issues as places like Arizona. Maybe not with all the, the ballot machines failing at the voting centers on that. And, and it'll be looked in. But, but anybody who's wondering about some of these races that are looking at legal challenges, I just want to throw a number out there for you guys, uh, for the listenership. Tens of thousands proven documented. Just keep that phrase in mind. Tens of thousands proven documented. And that would have to be disenfranchised voters who can prove that they were not allowed to vote on election day, yeah. And when you just look at that in the big scheme of things, I, I know a lot of people run with that narrative. Is you know we're back in this game, and we're going to continue to push the narrative that we're we're still winning these races, and there's pathways to victories. It's just not happening. You will never find a judge at the senior state, so state supreme court or federal level, without conclusive tens of thousands of documented pieces of evidence that will overturn. A state level governorship or Senate candidate, president election, period. Because the radical left will burn their house to the ground and kill their entire family. That's just the way it is. You can't you can't you can't have the freest and fairest voting system in in the world, apparently, according to the Department of Homeland Security, and then have one federal judge say, Oh yeah, there's no way that Katie Hobbs should have won. Let's just flip the election for Kerry Lake. Listen, no one wanted Kerry Lake to run and, and win her race more than steak for breakfast did. We were her first interviews. We, we got in, she, she ran like a 530 something day campaign throughout the course of her, uh, you know, governor race. And, uh, day five steak for breakfast was in there. We were in that living room with the blurry pictures on the back. Carrie Lake sitting there in the chair with her pug sushi on her knee, bouncing, bouncing her, showing us that. And, uh, you know, putting her earrings in before we, we got into recording with her. And then she gave us an amazing 35 minute interview and we would go on to do eight more of those over the course of her campaign cycle. And we're really appreciative of that and her race and everything she stood for, how loyal she was to President Trump. Same thing with a lot of these candidates. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is the midterm elections are over. They'll finish counting house races in New York. At some point, we'll get between 121 and 123 seats in the House. Uh, we got to fight tooth and nail to make sure that we remain 50-50 in in the U.S. Senate. And everyone needs to get their hands dirty in Georgia right now, Uh, from Brian Kemp to Donald Trump and everyone in between, uh, you know, in in Georgia. And make sure that Herschel Walker can beat Raphael Warnock. and, and. that's just it. That's the fact of the matter right there. That's kind of where we're at, and it's extremely disappointing. It, it hurts the heart, and uh, but that's part of, you know, the the reality of kind of just laying it out there for you guys. The game has changed. We need to make some adjustments. We we need to get back into and onto more legacy and establishment social medias, uh, and we need to harness the early vote and mail votes, um... You know, ahead of the next election cycle, or we're probably going to, you know, not have the results that we want in 2024, regardless of who the the candidate is. And uh, you got to look at it this way. The Democrats have a lot bigger mess. Everyone from their general election candidate and who they could possibly be, they're all garbage. But so were people like Katie Hobbs and John Fetterman, and they won. But that's just, that's just one component of it. But they have a lot of damage control to do in the Senate right now, and, and there are a lot of flippable Senate seats. So if we're able to adjust on the run, uh, you know, they had us in the first half kind of meme narrative there. If not, then, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm pretty optimistic about moving forward. I've talked to a lot of people who are, you know, in the Trump orbit and Trump adjacent and and looking forward, you know, they, they've everybody from like Tucker Carlson and Cash Mattel, uh, they, they've all said that, you know, these are places that we've gotten lapped in the last couple of election cycles, and it needs to change immediately. So I'm, I'm extremely uh, optimistic about it. But this election cycle, that's that's probably the big blame there. You know, there there wasn't a red wave. It wasn't November. We just had a lot of people who, on the Republican side, were completely exhausted and beat up after the primary season. You had Rana and Kevin and Mitch all throw money into establishment candidates that ran up against America First. So for six months straight, you heard that the candidates that Donald Trump endorsed were the biggest pieces of crap ever. And then as soon as the primary is over, they're your candidate. People were just exhausted. And then you had on the Democrat side, people you know like. Lindsey Graham, who comes out and says that federal abortion ban after 15 weeks things is something that needs to happen immediately. You have people that probably had no interest in politics. They got their mail-in ballot in places like Georgia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, Nevada. Just say, you know what? Fuck Lindsey Graham. Straight Democrat down the ticket and put it in the fucking mailbox. And that's what happens. You, you had a turnout that was... Uh, not what we wanted. And and when you look at the cross-tabulations of all the different demographics that we made resounding gains in, and including the total electorate with 8 million more Republicans came out and voted in this election, single women and kids who aren't necessarily interested in politics sent in their mail-in ballots, and that was enough to sink a lot of the America First candidates. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And uh, I don't know, team, what do
10: you think? To be honest, I'm like... <laughs> I'm deflated a bit and I had to tune sure. out for, you know, after, cause I just saw the same shit that w- happened in 2020. And I mean, at this point, like, I mean, everything you said, I agree with and I'm there with you. It's just at this point, it's like, I think we're all fucking exhausted <laughs> and it's term hangover. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So I think we, you know, all need to just kind of regroup,
0: And reassess.
10: Yeah, reassess and kind of recharge, man, because it's been an exhausting.
0: Alan, you're you're in New York. If I would have told you on November 7th, uh, New York State and the state of California were going to save and win the Republican majority in the U.S. House of Representatives, you probably would have laughed at me. But, you know, in retrospect now, what are you thinking?
11: I think it's wild that, you know, even in New York, we did not win the governorship. Uh, I believe we're sending 11 new, I think right now, uh, Republican uh, members of Congress yep. to, to serve. I believe it's 11. And Long Island, where I am, I'm unbelievably surprised that all four congressional seats are, are flipped to, to red. I mean, uh, that's I yeah. don't think that hasn't happened since the 90s uh, when the like Nassau County and, and Southern County GOP were really strong. But, you know, it, it's... And we had the local elections before that, where you know the Nassau County Executive and the DA all turned red. We had we saw a, a smaller red wave, but Long Island, I believe, you know, is for sure now red. New York, I would almost say, has become a, a little purple, even though we did lose the biggest seat, the the governor seat. We got some great of uh, republican state senators uh some local one that lives right in my town who beat a uh a long time in incumbent democrat incumbent so we we did flip some some state senate seats and, and things like that and i think the gop needs to get their heads out of their ass they need to change the messaging not abandon arguments but argue them better yeah. and they better start soon you know and we have chuck we have chucky schumer you know the right you know majority leader in the Senate who is, is now making uh, comments where to focus on this Georgia uh, runoff between Herschel Walker and, and Warnock because the Democrat messaging is if we win the, the Georgia runoff, it will help them confirm more progressive judges. And that is a message that Republicans need to, 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 to harp on. So we, we can't afford to have more hundreds, more of, 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 federal judges come in on the on the progressive side. You know, you heard Carrie Lake say in the audio we just listened to about the voting issues in Republican areas and we have to change our outlook. I am I am completely against the new modern way our election system is with the mail-in voting and the ballot harvesting and the early voting. I, 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 I hate it all. But if that's what we're going to be now, and that's not going to go away, which I wish it would, then the Republicans need to play the game better. And we need to do ballot harvesting. I think it was Laura Ingram on the Ingram Angle. She said something, well, Republicans, start ballot harvesting at NASCAR races, start ballot harvesting at gun shows, start ballot harvesting at all these big conservative and Republican-attended events. Do whatever you have to do to ballot harvest. You know, Republicans and conservatives were against ballot harvesting, but there are red states that it's not illegal to do it. New York doesn't have a law at all on the books really about ballot harvesting right it can go either way so the the early voting which i say all the time on on my show and i've been saying it through the whole cycle is show up the day of but is that the plan now especially in arizona when in republican voting areas they're having issues with the ink and the toner and the and the the tab tabulation machines what do we do we have to reevaluate. and unfortunately the establishment gop leadership needs to change rona mcdaniel should be ousted i believe a great and i know there's buzz around about it a great candidate for that is lee zeldon yes who did an unbelievable job in helping new york republicans get elected to various you know posts and you know he, he he didn't it wasn't a landslide for kathy Hochul by any means in new york for governor even with seven million people out of the 11 million people that did not vote at all mm-hmm. which is a problem and again, I think Roan, and uh, it comes down to uh, the messaging and the 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 tactics and the strategies. And unfortunately, I think we're in for a big fight where the GOP establishment, with the assistance of establishment Democrats, are going to do whatever they can going into the presidential election to completely sever the Republican Party.
10: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's going to be bloodied. and we're we're going to talk about that a little bit more. We're going to crank through this. Uh, You know, dust settling from the election narrative right now. Let's hear, uh, well, CBS has defaced the nation. They talked about the voter turnout story that I teased in the top of our cold open, and they kind of uh, stayed in the same thread. Let's hear it. (laughs)
8: <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> At all. Um, and you're still tabulating
12: here. But big picture, Democrats defied history. How did mm-hmm. they do it?
0: Well, this
7: was a turnout story, first and foremost, in my mind. And it was sort of as we expected. The, uh, people, our viewers may remember a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the effect that turnout could have and how Republicans were on path to a narrow majority, but that the House could become even if younger people especially turned out in force and what happened they did their numbers started approaching the 2018 record levels there was a particular group subset we called the young and restless Uh that we were watching and not only did they turn out but they even shifted a little bit more democratic almost two-thirds of them voting for democrats so that certainly helped the democrats in a lot of states a lot of districts But the other thing it did was it offset in a relative way the impact of the MAGA Republicans. We would call them the, the Trump true believers. And they certainly turned out and had impact, but not as much in that relative way, again, because the Democrats and the younger people had turned out.
0: And that's the fact of the matter. The, the, the young and the restless Democrat voters, it, it's the nice way of saying the don't give a shit. Those are the people that basically got their mail-in ballots, they filled it out straight D, and they mailed yep. it in and didn't give a shit about any of the issues, any of the candidates, who was running, anything, what inflation looked like, nothing. All these young kids—they're in ridiculous debt. Uh, you know, they're in college. They—they they have to go protest everything and have their parents fill up their bank accounts so they can buy top ramen. They, they really don't care. Uh, and, Single white females. Sixty-three percent of the Democrat electorate that uh, w- was supposed to come out and 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 be early voters came out and were early voters. And they really crushed us uh, when when we talk about day in uh, It looked about, you know, to be 20 percent across the nation. And, and we only get 18 percent of, of what we thought was going to come out um, on the Republican side. So the, those numbers there are very alarming and then showing that, you know, it, it, like Alan said, you uh, Sure, we'll come out in massive numbers on game day, and if that's the case in, in some of these battleground states especially, we'll just make sure everything's broken and doesn't work, and we'll take two weeks to, to tally right. the votes, and, and you guys can just complain about it. And uh, it, it's just a bad look. And, and for as much of a reason to have gone out and vote in this election cycle. Remember, we had talked about it on the show, almost 75% of the country, I think it's more, thinks uh, the direction of the nation is going in the wrong way. And almost 60% of the total electorate went to the ballot box angry. Didn't really resonate when it came to election day when you look at uh, candidates that won on the Republican side. I saw Dan Bongino kind of whining about it. It's more of like a you-get-what-you-fucking-deserve narrative. And uh, I-, I thought it was like kind of funny, but in the same sense, legitimate. So let's hear part of it.
2: It doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. You've heard it a million times. It's because it's true. Things are just not bad enough yet for a lot of people to wake up from the Kool-Aid slumber. It's just that simple. That's why Republicans had a decent day this week. I'm not buying the apocalyptic, you know, chicken little nonsense, but it could have been a better day. I accept that than we were hoping for. We were hoping for the best. We got an okay day. Yeah, inflation's at record highs. The border's wide open. The fentanyl crisis is wiping out kids across the country. Crime is surging in liberal cities and the economy's in the gutter. Big government is trying to silence your voice, but apparently all of this bad stuff just ain't bad enough. Unfortunately, folks, this bad stuff and these crises are gonna get worse before some voters realize that it's the left's fault. I have lived through this before. The only question is, how much worse is it gonna get? I guess the answer is a lot worse, as long as some voters keep believing crap like this.
13: What in the next two years
1: do you intend to do differently? Nothing, because oh. they're just finding out what we're doing. The more they know about what we're doing, the more support there is. Oh.
10: A lot of people think that crime is up, when we actually see that shootings are down. Subway crime is up. But let's also note that subway crime is up after they committed so many more officers to the subway system. Adding more cops to the subway isn't solving this problem.
2: Listen, things are gonna get better, I promise you. They will. This is not the dark monologue you think it is. But the truth is, we have seen this happen before in deep blue states and cities like New York, where I grew up. Economist Herb Stein once said, you know, whatever can't continue won't. Folks, this can't continue. Rampant crime, inflation, it can't continue. I want to give you an example of how we're at the end of a really bad cycle. And I'm telling you we're about to turn around. I can see it. I can feel it. I lived through it. Let's look for an example. You said history rhymes, well here's the rhyme right here. Take Rudy, uh, Rudy Giuliani's rise to power in the 90s in New York City. I saw it, I was there, I lived it. A lot of conservatives thought he'd never be mayor. They thought it wasn't possible, was it? Eight to one, 10 to one, Democrats or Republican, the odds were too tightly stacked against him. Well he ran and initially he lost. You know why? Because of the same thing that happened on Tuesday. Things just hadn't gotten bad enough to wake people up.
0: And again, I like it. It's a good solid narrative. It keeps, you know, close to the breast those those kitchen type table items. But the fact of the matter is that narrative's all well and good, and you can continue to stay in threads like that, or say that elections were stolen and, and you know elections are gonna get overturned and, and any other narrative under the sun. Here's the deal: if we don't change we will continue to reap the same results they've without even putting a cheating component into it, rigged the system to where it's almost foolproof against the current plan that we have. And, uh, it's, it's hard to admit sometimes, uh, you know, we, we talked about some of these candidates, Carrie Lake, especially at the beginning of the show two years ago, starting this journey with all of these people and seeing where we're at now. Um, it, it, it's a tough pill to swallow, but the fact of the matter is, what are you willing to do today as exhausted as you are? Um, you know, the, the meme of the blacked out wrinkle faced guy who's just like, oh, it's all so tiresome. Like, what are you willing to do the next day to get out of bed and make sure that we can fix things like this? It's it's a it's it's the million dollar question right now we're going to get part of that answer tonight when, when Donald Trump makes his official announcement to be uh, running for president again in, in 2024, which is going to happen in, you know, just about six hours from now down at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. So it's one of those things. Uh, how much is the Trump team willing to adapt after what I've heard over the last couple of days? I, I think they're, they're ready to take that plunge and, uh, and start doing it. Um, victory laps were, were not in uh short dispense we did see alan mentioned them new york senator chuck schumer uh taking one over the course of the weekend while they were still tallying votes and calling races let's hear him right now I'll talk about how awesome the democrats did people
14: but finally and maybe most important of all the american people rejected soundly rejected the anti-democratic authoritarian nasty and divisive direction The MAGA Republicans wanted to take our country in. From the days of the big lie, which was pushed by so many, to the threats of violence and even violence itself against poll workers, election officials, and electoral processes. And of course, the violence on January
1: 6th. All of that bothered the
14: American people. (laughs) And another thing that bothered them just as much too many of the Republican leaders went along with that didn't didn't rebut that violence and some of them even aided and abetted the words oh, of negativity stop and it. other things other things and when oh. i talk about violence i mean violent language oh, okay i mean violence <laughs> against other people where was the condemnation from the republican leaders so often missing from so many of them that bothered that bothered me mm.
0: Got to love him, Chick right? the cuck. Yeah.
11: Oh, um, stop it.
0: You know, he, he he said actually said the same thing on the Senate floor yesterday when they were having, like, you know, uh, freshman back to school day for all the Senate and uh, House candidates. And one of the things he talked about was the uh, Republican acts of violence against uh, poll workers and election officials. And I, I, it was his tweet from his, his official Why account. Why did that happen? I, yeah. Well, I quoted it and I said, can you please provide anyone with documented evidence of the first ever MAGA Republican on poll worker anywhere violence that's ever been recorded ever.
11: Because I'm pretty sure that would be all over mainstream media if that was the case. And I haven't seen any of that.
0: Oh, would have replaced January 6th as a new narrative. Yes. So the next way that we're trying to, uh, you know, take over, uh, end democracy, which apparently was on the ballot, uh, only if you were mailing it in. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's silly. So, and, and we saw a lot of this blame game, uh, continue on throughout the course of the week as we're getting ready to hear president Trump's announcement tonight. Uh, one of Allen's favorites, former New York governor, George Pataki. Uh, well, he pointed out the problems and, and you'd never believe it. He th- he says it's Donald Trump. Let's hear him.
7: On the aftermath of the midterms, what should the Republican party do to try and regain the momentum and regain the success that it had previously?
15: Eric, it was a very disappointing night. But take a look around the country. Look what happened in Florida, what Governor DeSantis has been able to do, not just from a government standpoint, but blowing out the Democrats, capturing Miami-Dade County, something Republicans never did. Look at Governor Abbott, elected for a third time in Texas. Governor Sununu, overwhelming victory in New Hampshire, and what Governor Youngkin's doing in Virginia. The Republican Party is alive and well. Just not the Trumpite wing in Washington. Oh. And to move forward, what we have to do is contrast our ideas, which the people support, with the Democratic record and the ideas with, the, with which the people reject. The problem is Donald Trump. The sooner he goes away, the quicker we will have the new Republican Party Hall is talking about, not in him his image, but in the governor's images, oh. and we will win everywhere
7: i can see some of our viewers throwing the shoes right now they're throwing shoes at the tv set they're grabbing the tomatoes of what you just said what would you tell uh, some of our viewers uh who certainly would not agree with you when it comes to uh, former you president know, I, trump?
15: i'm sure they are i'm sure they are and i understand that because this country has been misgoverned by elites and donald trump was the first to speak out against that but he's had his time and now he is tearing apart the Republican Party. Since the election, who does he go after? Not Schumer, not no, Biden, no, not Pelosi. No. He goes after DeSantis and Yunke. And that has got to stop. And the only way it stops is if we don't talk about him anymore. We talk about open borders. We talk about our energy industry being devastated. We talk about inflation. We talk about the problems we have uh, all across this country with getting young people to work because of the trillions in giveaways. and we. We talk about Donald Trump and we lose. We followed him off a cliff in 2018. We followed him to a loss to Joe Biden of all people in 2020. We just had a horrible night, you know, and I think that's part of the reason. And Eric, I just want to say one other thing. Seeing Chuck Schumer gloat is extremely troubling. He talks about how divisive we were. He spent over $50 million in Republican primaries electing MAGA candidates that he thought couldn't win. That is a despicable abuse of democracy. Oh. So if he wants to talk about dividing the country, go look in the mirror, Joe. Mm. Mm.
0: I don't even know what to call that. That's like Final Form Rhino right there.
15: <laughs> he literally He
11: is the example of... The the GOP establishment, like he, I I just I don't even know what to make of that. He's so irrelevant.
0: Well, I mean, he's taking the current Rupert Murdoch message and going on the Rupert Murdoch network (laughs) and talking about things that Rupert Murdoch wants, which is Donald Trump out of the way, right? Right. So, uh, I mean, that was uh,
11: he completely contradicted himself. Talked about all of the policies, the open border policies that we did not have under. Donald Trump exactly which he, he he won't acknowledge won't acknowledge I mean it's it's, it's
10: how but he, he can't even how is he gonna be it's it just doesn't, doesn't make sense he doesn't I don't think he even believes what he's saying like you said Roan I mean he's he's doing what other people tell him to do and say he's just doing
11: anything to stay relevant and in exactly. the news oh you know Newsmax has him on occasionally what you know yeah. Uh, he took a great photo op with with Lee Zeldin and endorsing him i mean he's yeah he's just another waste of oxygen another waste of space yeah it's and, great it's
0: great to see those people go out and, and talk about the money that chuck Ch- Schumer spent in in maga races but the fact of the matter he didn't bring up the fact that you know Mitch McConnell didn't spend any of that money in in republican senate races that he spent 9 million dollars in Alaska in a republican versus a republican primary in the, in the right choice voting or that he pulled all but ninety eight thousand dollars from Blake Masters' race, and right. and he put more money in at the end of the campaign uh, of J D Vance, where internals were showing that he was going to wind up winning by around three points, which I think was the overall outcome. Um, you know, and, and it's yet to be seen what he's going to do in Herschel Walker's race. So yeah, it it's just the well, the hypocrisy and the armchair quarterbacking. I guess Donald Trump is the target on the wall right now. The the Griffins and and you know the Murdochs and and all of the you know. Big corporate entities have kind of lined that up. And uh, Donald Trump knows that it's not Ron DeSantis himself who's necessarily uh, making this the way it is right now, the way it doesn't have to be. But if listen, if it's his surrogates and it's his big time donors that are going everywhere and having places like Fox News and Newsmax talk about it's time to move on from Donald Trump. Well, guess what? Donald Trump's not going to have Cash Patel or Christina Bob or Liz Harrington go out and, and take pot shots at these people. Donald Trump's just going to shit on the actual people that these people are trying to prop up. And, exactly. Uh, that's exactly what they got. We all, we listened to it on our show on Friday. Glenn Youngkin doesn't want that smoke. And if that's what he's going to say to just ask for commentary on what Donald Trump said about him, I couldn't imagine what it would look like on the debate stage. The great governor from the state of Virginia like what he's doing there. And the same thing with Ron DeSantis. I, we, we've seen him get... Flustered in debates, and it's not really in debates where he knew he had any chance of losing in. When you're literally fighting for your political life with someone that's already, you know, it's not his first rodeo. It's going to be a lot different story. Uh, speaking of people that will never get to uh, ride the bull in that rodeo, former disgraced Republican governor and failed presidential candidate, pig-faced Larry Hogan, was on, believe <laughs> it or not, fake news CNN this weekend of uh, the fake union to talk about uh well what w- kind of the thread we're in right now. Let's just blame Donald Trump for everything, and uh, instead of saying Ronald McDaniel here, let's hear it.
16: Common sense conservatives that focused on talking about issues people cared about, like the economy and crime oh. and education, they did win.
0: But people who r- tried to relitigate the 2020 election and focused on conspiracy theories oh. and uh, you know talked about things the voters didn't care about, they were almost universally rejected. And I think it's it's basically the third election in a row that donald trump has cost us uh the race and it's oh. like you know three strikes you're out yeah what about for you what about for you larry uh you know you you lost to what? dan cox who who lost by double digits in the in the gubernatorial race there and uh, what did donald Maryland. trump
11: cost us what did he cost us what right did,
0: i mean you could have just put in the name ronna mcdaniel there and it would have been the actual one of the root causes of the problems not donald Absolutely. trump Absolutely you know mitch mcconnell
11: kevin mccarthy the leadership cost us
0: i really hope that lee zeldin does we've seen a lot of a lot of jumping up uh and going crazy in in regards to leadership and we're going to talk all about that in our news one segment but before we get there we're going to be sitting down with one of our good friends who's actually going to be in the front row at mar-a-lago tonight all right joining us next on the show today she's an attorney for save america she's one of our great friends coming back she's uh currently traveling she's in the battleground state of arizona miss christina bob thanks for joining us on the show
17: thank you so much i always love coming on your show
0: i wish it was under better circumstances uh yeah hypothetically speaking so we haven't talked to you since election night uh yeah
17: that was great michigan wasn't it <laughs> i went from michigan to arizona it's like oh my god
0: it's definitely been like the uh trails of tears but uh yeah so what's going on with you what, what, what are you doing out there right now and uh what's it look like on the ground currently
17: uh, well, I came out here to support Kerry Lake. Um, you know, Michigan obviously was over. So I, I came out to Arizona just really just for support. And um, it, it's really unclear. You know, I'm sure you're going to be shocked to learn that there's not a lot of transparency in the election. You know, we're having a hard time seeing what the ballots are, where they're coming from, you know, uh, the numbers don't match the projections or, you know, aren't even close to the projections. And so, um, there's a lot of questions. I think there's a lot more questions than answers to anything at some point at this point. So, um, I have a lot of questions about what's happening and why, why can't we see the process? Why can't we understand what's going on?
0: But according to Bill Gates, that's all just normal parts of democracy and the way things are done in Arizona.
17: Right. Well, no. and See, that's the problem is they're trying to make it normal in Arizona that the election counting lasts a week. And that's wrong. It needs to last one day. And so this is the problem that I have with rhinos and the Republicans in Arizona. And quite frankly, the Republicans in the more establishment party um, are allowing these things to happen. We cannot make it normal for Arizona to suddenly take a week to count their votes. That's unacceptable. And every time they allow something like this to happen, more and more fraud occurs and more and more uh, really just election mismanagement or theft, you know, whether you want to call it fraud or whether you want to call it um, managed incompetence for the purpose of favoring one party, whatever it is, it always favors Democrats. And that's unacceptable. It's not fair to the people of Arizona. It's not fair to the rest of America and. Um, I I think they owe us a lot of explanations.
0: Yeah, whether or not uh, based off the outcome of these races is is yet to be determined. And and my way of thinking that uh, whether or not we'll ever get an explanation, Um, you, you just can't see. It's been such a crazy midterm election cycle. You could take some of the wins and losses as they've come. But to see like someone who is legitimately mentally ill, like John Fetterman, and then The possibility of a Katie Hobbs governorship who literally, literally, I mean, we we made fun of it, but it got to the point to where the legacy media on the radical progressive side was taking her to task in the weeks going up to the election, basically telling her, you know, how can you think that the Joe Biden method for running a campaign is, number one, legitimate, number two, what's going to get you over the finish line? But here we are.
17: Yeah, well, because it works for Joe Biden, right? And it works for Fetterman, and it works for Katie Hobbs because. They're not legitimate elections. We have to have a very real transparent investigation into these elections and that people say, oh, well, you had an Arizona audit. We did it. There was so much information that we did not get from the Arizona audit. The county didn't turn over the administrative passwords, slunk logs. None of the uh, information about the machines was turned over. Now, I'm not blaming the machines at this point, but... We need to see who had access to those those machines and what did they do? Those slunk logs are so important because they basically capture the keystrokes and, you know, the administrative inputs into those machines. Who had access? What did they do? And the reality is, if it comes back and and it shows that all of the keystrokes were totally appropriate and there were no problems, there was no manipulation of any sort, then I'm going to be happy but I'll be disappointed and go, holy cow, you know, I go to these rallies every weekend and I see tens of thousands of people out. It leads me to believe that there's massive MAGA support in this country. But, you know, if there's nothing wrong with these machines, maybe nobody that shows up to these rallies is going to vote. You know, maybe there's some disconnect somewhere. Um, but I, I think my, me, along with everybody else in this country, we just want to know what the truth is. And right now everything's so obscured. We can't see that. And it's very suspicious.
0: No, it certainly is. And, and, you know, it, it leads to just continue to think, uh, you know, the, the blueprint for 2020, uh, has definitely been tailored and, and moving forward. I think, uh, we're going to have to look probably, you know, cross tab and demographic wise, how we, as Republicans and conservatives, the America firsters, uh, how we, uh, take a look at these elections, I, yeah. I, I think one of the big things is, uh, you know, I, I think uh, our game day voters is going to be that overwhelming large majority of the base, obviously more popular and uh, get a bigger output in presidential election cycles than we do in midterms, even though we did, you know, lap the Democrats by almost eight million votes in this election cycle nationwide. Uh, yeah. And if you look at the crosstabs across across, uh, you know, the voter demographic spectrum, we, we killed in just about everywhere except with single women and young people um you know and and but those gains by the democrats made up for all of the the tabs that we were uh winning in you know the hispanics yeah. the asians the blacks the middle class families and stuff like that so do you think moving forward into the general election season i mean donald trump as a private citizen could only do so much he did more than probably yeah. most any non-sitting office politician did throughout the course of this midterm election cycle ever mm-hmm. Uh, You know, he's not the GOP chair, he's not the Speaker of the House, he's not the Senate Majority Leader, he's the 45th President of the United States, the 46th President of the United States is currently in office, and Donald Trump went out and spent tens of millions of dollars on some of these campaigns. He traveled across the country on his own dime, he took time out of his schedule, which is extremely robust when you consider all the things I just said, not including any of his personal stuff, not including any of his legal stuff, not including any of his business stuff, to do tele-rallies on like a by or tri weekly basis with a lot of these House yep. candidates, and uh, it seemed like as soon as the election results started to come in, the mainstream media was almost like in lockstep of saying how the midterm election non-successes because I won't call them failures. We are gonna, you know, reclaim power in the House for the first time, uh, you know, since twenty eighteen, and then for only the third time in like the last what sixty years, um, you know, and it's one of those things that uh, it seemed like if they couldn't do it. In the courts with the fake lawsuits, if they couldn't do it with uh, censoring him and keeping him off some of the mainstream Mm -hmm. uh, social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, uh, stuff like that, you know, they almost have to be forced to, to show anything from his rallies uh, in the legacy media, even in the conservative ones. But I saw in the first 24 hours, even like some of the bigger outlets that he still sometimes frequents to get his message out there, like Fox and Newsmax were automatically pivoting to, uh, we need to look in a different direction for 2024 because it's his fault for these results in the midterm elections.
17: Yeah, it's absolutely not his fault. Uh, I think, uh, I think that's the swamp talking, right? Those are the people who like to, what what all of this is about, what all of this craziness is about is who, who has possession of the power levers, who pulls the power levers in this nation. And Donald Trump is doing everything he can to give that power back to the American people through free and fair elections. That's his entire platform. And that's why they hate him, because they don't want to give up their power. Media wants to be able to say whatever they want. They want to be able to twist and distort reality to their benefit so they don't like the fact that he's calling them out and he's highlighting the the problems with media in this country. And so they want him out. They want politicians to be good little boys and girls and just do their bidding and let them tell the story. And the politicians go along with it. And oh, and the process will make you famous and have, you can have a big following, but we media outlets are going to be the ones that dictate the narrative. And well, that's, he's not playing that game. that's why they hate him.
0: He certainly isn't. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't understand when you start talking about some of the players that are involved here, like the 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 big ones who pull a lot of strings, the Rupert Murdoch's, Murdoch, the Paul Singers, um, you know, Ken Griffins, and how many hundreds of billions, if not combined trillions of dollars, those guys are worth, and uh, yeah. how, how deep their extent is. And then when you have foot soldiers on the ground, let's just say...
17: Raising 20 bucks at a time.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mc, you talk about McLeadership is also the Republican Party. We, we, let's start there before we get into like the, the other stuff.
17: Yeah. You know, you, I, that's where you have to start, actually. We have to clean out the Republican side of things. We can't go in and say we're going to clean up the whole government when the Republican Party is a mess.
0: I know we're still counting votes, Christina. Do you see any uh, viable pathway for Ron McDaniel to keep her job into 2024?
17: Um, I think there's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I would, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know because the Republican swamp is powerful. Sure. It, it, look at, look at what we're facing right now, you know? So I think we have an RNC chairperson who has lost two major elections just in the state of Arizona. And I'm just talking about President Trump's race and Carrie Lake's race. Let's forget about Blake Masters, Mark Fincham, Abe hamadeh you know, all of those others. And that's just Arizona. Oh, by the way, we have 49 other states.
4: Right.
17: Uh, many of which have been a disaster. Michigan, Michigan, the Michigan legislature has been Republican, House and Senate Republican for the last 45 years. We lost both this yeah. cycle. And Ramona McKinnon's from Michigan. So I would say there's a problem, you know, and I'm not blaming her personally, but the RNC has been pulling its weight and they haven't been doing uh what we need them to do so i think we need to clean that up whether it's ronna mcdaniel or somebody else that cleans it up I, you know i remains I, I remain to see what happens with that um i kind of like the idea of you know depending on how this goes with carrie lake if carrie lake's not the governor of arizona i'd love to see her the chair
0: of the republican party yeah there's also been uh, calls for someone like lee zeldin i wouldn't mind him either
17: yeah I, I prefer Ker Lake, but no you know, so do I, I
0: yeah I, I definitely get it. but when you're talking about contentionship, you'd like to have a couple of people to choose from just to kind of diversify a little bit, but when you talk about just those two people there, those are pretty strong yeah, We need completely
17: we, we need to completely overhaul the Republican Party and get rid of the people who tolerate corruption, who tolerate grossness just because uh, they put policy over truth and honesty. and we can't do that. Policy is important. Policy is very important. I want to close the border. I want to secure our schools. You know, I want to do all of that stuff. But we cannot focus on that and say, oh, it's okay to lie, cheat, and steal to get those policy objectives. And that's what the Republican Party has been doing for at least the last 40 years. They'll say, oh, well, we want, you know, we want lower taxes. So we'll lie lie and we'll sacrifice our integrity to get something that we want that's not as important as honesty and transparent and, and integrous elections. So we need to get back to basics, forget about policy for a second, and let's just get back to honesty, truth, and fairness in the process. And once once we've gotten that cleaned up, then we can reestablish our policy.
0: No, that's an excellent point you make. I mean, especially when you talk about policy, it's also about, uh, you know, the way we look at the political map now. I think when – You look at the investment that's come. I know you just came from Michigan. We did try extremely hard. They did have a Republican state Senate there for, like you said, close to 50 years. Senate and how. Yep. And how. Yeah. But the the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, you know, demographics are changing. People are moving because of high crime, because of inflation, because of uh, green energy policies that are shutting down the small business, the textile, the mechanics, Mm -hmm. auto industry, pharmaceuticals. So looking at the map, from pre-2016 to where we go in 2024, places like Michigan, places like Pennsylvania, they are still considered battleground states and, and, and what I would call purple. But when you look at states that down the, the electoral map, based off the demographics and the way the, the populations there are changing, places like Georgia, places like Ohio, places like Wisconsin, we're all a lot closer than we have had them historically for Republican candidates, even when the caliber there is is, is better than solid. Do you, yeah. I mean, we got Joe Lombardo back in Nevada, and then who knows what's going down with Arizona, but we, I really do yeah. feel like instead of spreading our resources thin, we really need to fortify some of these states that historically have gone red, or we're going to be into the, you know, 10 years yeah. from now calling, like, the Ohio's and Wisconsin's, who are usually slam dunks for, you know, better than average Republican candidates, the new battleground states, the Pennsylvanians and Michigans of, like, 2016 yeah. and 2020. Do you feel like that's kind of a reasonable yeah. message?
17: Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I think that starts, like, with what you said, we have to start with cleaning up the Republican establishment. We need to make those states safe Republican states again, meaning those are conservative areas. But when you have all of this, these crazy woke agendas, and these crazy woke policies, it pushes it further right. So we shouldn't be at risk at losing those. But yet, you know, you look at a place like Michigan, where they passed Proposal 2, which allows for no ID for elections. You don't need an ID to vote in Michigan anymore as as of two weeks ago. But 98% or 97% of Americans, not Republicans, 98% of, uh, not 98, I'm sorry, 87%. I don't know my numbers. I'm getting all my my stats confused. 87% of Americans want ID to vote. So how did that pass? Not Republicans, not, you know, conservatives, Americans. 87% of Americans want IDs, to vote and yet they just put it into Their constitution that you don't need an ID to vote
0: Right yeah, it's, it's, it's Mind-blowing uh, yeah and the States where we did see have some some Successes we, we talked briefly on You know last Tuesday's edition of the show About Florida how they've cleaned up a lot of things And institutions. they
17: have and they Have it I mean Ron DeSantis turned Florida into a mail-in ballot state universal Mail-in ballots of Florida As you, of this latest election
0: Do you think they're Pivoting on attacking that early vote is what some of the things that led to their success and something that we might have to look at in 2024? What do you mean? The, uh, the mail-in vote component. I mean, so here, here's, here's what my take's been on the show is one of the X factors, unwanted, of course, throughout the course of this election cycle was obviously Pigface Lindsey Graham's uh, comments about the national – 15-week abortion thing, which regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not I agree with it, I do. I'm, I'm pro-life. I don't stand for abortion in any context if that's something that they want to work on. Just him mentioning it was, it was a monkey wrench in the thing. You have all these people who may have just not given a crap about this election cycle regardless. They could have saw the news. They could have read the headlines and figured like the red wave was coming, whether you know they would have done anything about it or not. Then, you know, I I really thought that the the Roe v. Wade overturning the Dobbs case had cooled a little bit, actually heading into this midterm election cycle. But his his reminder and and threat of that in in what just seemed an inopportune time, really, if someone was sitting at home. Oh, Graham
17: is swampy. I mean, he's a swampy guy who who he does best in environments like this because he's, quote unquote, safe. Yeah, because people are so worried about fighting for other seats but they're not fighting Lindsey Graham. Well, when, when things are going well and Americans have transparency and they can see what their leaders are doing, that's when he starts to get into trouble because he's shady. He's shady and he makes weird deals and he votes weird on things. And he, that's when he gets into trouble. So people like Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham do better in environments like this. And I'll go so far as to say, I think this is their last term for both of them. Like, I think they're done in 26.
0: No, I, I agree with you, and uh, I just thought that like maybe some of those rehashings of the Dobbs case had people who were just not going to be involved say, you want to know what? I actually don't care. I'm going to vote straight Democrat, and I'm going to send my ballot in. And, and I think Yeah, in a, maybe. In, in, I don't know. A,
17: I, I, I think I'm more concerned about, I don't want to call it fraud, but I'm more concerned about mismanagement of the election that, oops accidentally favors Democrats. Sure. I'm more concerned about that than Dobbs. But, um, yeah, who knows?
0: Yeah, it, it's something that we'll we'll have in retrospect to uh, definitely armchair quarterback in in the week. Yeah, for ahead. sure. So uh, c- continuing down that rung, um, Mitch McConnell, obviously he's you know absolute garbage. Uh, he, all of his receipts <laughs> were out. Yeah. So you know, no money for certain candidates. Money in, in guaranteed wins. Like he threw money into Ohio just as kind of like you know to in feed- Alaska. And, and then obviously took the money out of Arizona and dumped uh, over $9 million into Alaska for Republican v. Republican uh, winner there. There wasn't ever going to be a doubt that, you know, if Kelly Chewbacca didn't run, it was going to be Lisa Murkowski. If if they had a primary that wasn't, you know, interfered with, then it probably would have been Kelly Chewbacca. And we're not going to get those results now until sometime around the Georgia runoff, which is where we're, we're putting a lot of focus on. But still this week, we now have, you know, Kevin McCarthy. There's been an uprising in, in the House. Uh, Pretty Mm -hmm. pretty much led by the Freedom Caucus. You see Jim Banks, who's, you know, uh, he's going to go out there and throw his name in the hat for whip. I like Jim Banks. I think he's very strong. I think he's very tough. I was not appreciative of the comments he gave about President Trump last night on Fox News Sunday. Uh, where he didn't say anything bad, he did say Donald Trump was still the clear leader of the party and the most popular figure within the Republican Party and stuff like that, but would not throw his endorsement, he said there was too many things and, and it might just be like, you know, logistics of them having like check boxes of stuff they want to take care of and not throw
17: because
0: yeah. then... You but know,
17: you gotta be suspicious of anybody who hesitates at this point was sure. like, yeah. there's no and I say this about Ron DeSantis, I just voted for Ron DeSantis, I right. think Ron DeSantis is like a fantastic governor, I love him, however... The only way Ron DeSantis could even hope to be competitive in a presidential race against Donald Trump is by partnering with the establishment. He then becomes the very thing we are trying to fight against. But he looks MAGA because he's been, he's been MAGA for the last several years in office. And so he's a great pick for the establishment to try to flip him privately, flip him saying, let us pull your strings for you. Let us fund you. Be our puppet. And we'll put you up front, and people will believe it because he's a, he is MAGA. He's been doing the MAGA platform, so he's the perfect person, and that's the only way he can run. He doesn't have his own. He's not independent. Well, independently wealthy, he can't run his own campaign campaign without these massive donors behind him. Right. And that's what they're doing. They're they're turning Ron DeSantis, a beloved governor, into a swamp creature. And I have a real problem with that. And that's that's what you know. Most of us who are real MAGA Trump supporters can look at what DeSantis is doing and say, it's wrong. One, it's not your turn, but two, the only way you can take on Donald Trump is by partnering with the swamp because the swamp wants to take Donald Trump down and they haven't been able to do it with rhinos. And so they have to try to flip someone in the MAGA movement. And I think that's Ron DeSantis.
0: No, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, when you look at the people who are involved, we already mentioned them off top of uh, the segment, the Paul Singers, the Rupert Murdochs and, and Ken Griffins, the, the amount of mm-hmm. money that they're worth, their reach. I mean, you have Paul Ryan working behind the scenes. All those people are connected to like Mike Pence and Chris Christie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely see it uh, formulating and uh, it, it shan't be good for. You know, uh, Ron Ron, if he wants to go down this road, I mean, I think a lot of people tend to forget. You could look on YouTube or Rumble and any of the debates from 2015. And uh, just remember where where some of these polished, respected politicians go and and how they can't really operate on their feet when somebody is, is taking them to task on receipts. And listen, you want to talk about just the last couple of years of stuff that didn't get done. During, during the Trump administration uh, for all of these politicians that think they might want to get in the ring. There's there's a lot of things that that happened in, in the Republican House and Senate that Donald Trump would be able to use. When it comes to Ron DeSantis and Governor, I think they're pushing a lot of issues. People complained about the vaccines. They both kind of were in the same, you know, vernacular there. People complained about the lockdowns. They both kind of operated differently, but 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 then the same, they you know, they went into it and then they opened yeah. and, and they were advocates for opening and both advocates for non-mandates and stuff like that. So I really don't see it gets down to the point of like, Who's more America First? Well, who allowed? Who started you
9: know, this movement?
17: Right.
0: Who who allowed Ron DeSantis to flourish as a politician by by you know welcoming yeah. him in and, and allowing America First to uh, be what catapulted him into such successes. as Biden. yeah.
17: And who's and who's pulling Ron DeSantis' strings now? Well,
0: that's, that that's the big I mean, thing. I That's right the there. question. There, there are some establishment uh, lackeys that are that are very close to him right now. They're and,
17: burrowing you know, into Ron DeSantis because they're trying to take down donald trump and they need someone maga to take down donald trump because it's very clear rhinos can't do it so they're trying to find someone maga who they're sweet talking and convincing that oh with us with us you can take down donald trump and ron desantis i'm so sad to see it but ron desantis appears to be listening and he appears to be entertaining that idea
0: i I yeah i i just don't hit it'll pretty much end his Career politically for it
17: will end his career
0: a couple, It will uh, end a his cycles. career uh, No I agree yeah. with you And uh, you know So just sticking with the house Do you think uh, Kevin McCarthy survives to be Speaker of the house
17: Um I hate to say it but I think he does Um I would love to see somebody else uh, You know we got a Clean house you know So to speak but um you know, I don't know. My initial instinct is, yeah, I think he'll survive. But, you know, I don't know. There's could, The world is a crazy place right now, and I hope I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, we have uh, – I saw Marjorie Taylor Greene on War Room yesterday saying that, you know, there are backroom channels threatening to run Liz Cheney for, for Speaker of the House. I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of people want Jim Jordan, but anyone who knows Jim Jordan knows what his talents are and, and just has listened to the things. Yeah. He doesn't want it. So, you no. know – and uh, we'll we'll just have to see from there. I think there's you know we'll probably wind up with a McCarthy, but I think he could be on a very short leash. I mean, uh, Matt Gates reminded a lot of people le- at, towards the end of last week that listen, all it does is take one vote to change the Speaker of the House, and uh, if we're gonna you know do this for face value and not start listening to the American people, we're gonna suffer even worse consequences in, in uh, elections moving forward. Christine, last thing I want to touch with you on, I think it's probably the most important news of the day. Donald Trump said yesterday in a post on Truth Social that this could be one of the most important days in political history, Um, you know, that'll that'll be Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. Um, You've been around since day one. I mean, obviously, you work in extremely close contacts in orbit with the 45th president of the United States. We are all anticipating uh, what we had hoped for since, you know, the fallout from 2020. And uh, what can you say about, you know, just how you feel about everything today and moving forward as we get ready to start another chapter in the uh, Trump legacy?
17: Right. Well, I think we need President Trump more than ever. Uh, I mean, Democrats took control of a large portion of our country, I think unfairly, you know, whether you want to call it fraud or manipulation or whatever it is. I I don't think the way our government is made up right now, I don't think it's the will of the American people. And um, I think we need President Trump more than ever. So, yeah, I do think Tuesday, November 15th will be a historic day. You know, I am excited to hear what he's got to say. And uh, I just I'm, I'm nervous for our country in the sense that Democrats are in control and everything that happens from this point forward, you know, until the next election, Democrats need to own it. And I think they are doing everything they can to drive this country into the ground to weaken us so that they have this in their mind, a globalist utopia that they believe is a good thing. Um, while the rest of us all suffer. And I think they're going to have to own those consequences.
0: And we sure are suffering. You know, you just look at it. Some of those polls that came out last week, I'll use one of the most liberal ones from CNN, close to 60% of the country went to the ballot box angry, Uh, close to 75% went to the ballot box, uh, you know, saying that the country was moving consequently in the wrong direction. And then you have essentially a 50-50 vote Uh, down the board over the course of the midterm elections with some of the most prominent people that are pledging to go out there and fix everything, candidates uh, not making it over the finish line. It doesn't really make sense. And when you want to talk about, you know, mechanics, collaborations, uh, gerrymandering, redistricting, uh, you know, historical fraud, all the funny stuff that goes on with these election systems and and how, you know, the people can, uh, you know, have their votes counted fairly and legally. It's definitely Mm -hmm. something that needs to be reworked moving forward. Christina, we want to be able to track you across all social media If we haven't, uh, we'll we'll link the president's website today. And then uh, where do you want us to find you across socials? We'll live link that in the show description as well.
17: Uh, You can find me on Truth. It's just at Christina Bob or Instagram and Twitter. It's Christina underscore Bob. Thank you so much for letting me join you. I always love coming on your show.
0: Oh, we love hosting you. It's uh, one of our favorite guests, and uh, everybody's always asking when you're coming back on. We'll look to have you on sometime early in December, and we wish you safe travels wherever you're going uh, between now and then. This is Attorney for Save America, one of our great friends, Miss Christina Bob. Thanks for joining us on the show again.
16: Thank you. Well, it's it's my hope that the Republican uh, majority will work with Republicans to pass our agenda to get to 218 plus votes to pass the agenda that we promised the American people and the commitment to America and the other promises that we made along the way. And the whip will play a very big role in doing that with Republican votes, not with Democrat votes. Again, don't give in to the radical left. Do what the voters ask us to do. Stand up to them instead. And the, the whip, uh, the majority leader, the Speaker of the House, That that's what the voters are entrusting us to do. We can't let them down.
0: That is current Indiana House representative and Republican whip candidate, Jim Banks, one of our favorites uh, on the Botox Queen, Laura Ingram show the other night. I saw, I saw that, um, you know, she did try to ask him about leadership in the Republican Party for the uh, presidential nominee level, and he was reluctant. Um, A lot of people took that the wrong way, but I went back and watched it a couple different times. They also asked him a similar question on the Fox Sunday News show, and it looks like the way Jim Banks is taking it, everybody knows he's Trump-aligned and and he's MAGA, but the fact of the matter is, is that they have business that they need to take care of. And they need to take care of that business now. There's been a lot of people who are already sitting Congress, people who have been in direct contact with President Trump over the last couple of weeks, heading into the midterms and afterwards. In addition, all those House Freedom Caucus members, they were treated as part of the uh, back to school night. Uh, the closed door keynote speaker event was held by Tucker Carlson, who we know is all in on Donald Trump. He's already pretty much made that clear on his show in regards to candidates for 2024. And I can only imagine some of the footnotes I got and they are non-confirmed sources, but people who are directly connected to, uh, the larger Tucky apparatus, um, you know, are saying that it's pretty much fuck Republican leadership and fuck the mandate they're going to try and do to you. And it Mm -hmm. seems like the house freedom caucus has ran with that because, You know, in the last 24 hours, we saw late last night, Monday, Andy Biggs threw his name in the hat for uh, Speaker of the House, which I think is great. Um, They did have a vote today. I'm trying to keep up to date on the numbers as the show's going on. It's in the noon hour here on the West Coast on Tuesday. The initial vote was 188 to 31 for Kevin McCarthy, which is well short of that 218 he needs to uh, take the speakership. So... That right. is looking good. In addition to Andy Biggs, we already mentioned, Jim Banks is running for uh, the Republican whip and then House Majority Leader, obviously, Elise Stefanik. Uh, her name is in there. Just in the last hour, I don't know if you guys had saw it, it's become official. Uh, Florida Senator Rick Scott has says he will run a direct challenge uh, to be nominee of the Republican Senate and run against Mitch McConnell.
3: Oh. So that's well, kind of, that,
0: that's kind of where we're at today. Exactly the way we wanted the people who we've elected to office to act. Um, try to hold the people who have failed us over the course of the last two to four years, depending on when, you know, you're getting on board here. Uh, you know, uh, for what they've done, which is not enough to win elections. And uh, the more and more you look at it, and you start to peel back the layers, it has a lot less to do with Donald Trump than you think. And uh, I couldn't imagine the space we'd be in. If Donald Trump didn't take those millions and millions of dollars, his time, his effort, his plane, his Save America rallies, his endorsements, his telephonic rallies for these yeah. candidates, for the ones mm-hmm. that did win, um, which you at know. the end of the day, it's it's over 200 of them that are going to be serving in the House, the Senate, state levels, governors, um, you know, in January. So what can you say? Trump lost nothing. He lost nothing. Nope. You know, he 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 lost money <laughs> yeah that's imagine, about
11: it I, I think i said it to you ron we were speaking on the phone I, imagine if donald trump when he was finished with his 4 years as president just sat back and did nothing went back to being businessman real estate tycoon and did not stay involved in politics where would we be right now
10: exactly exactly
11: he did not did nothing and just nah. i'm done he
10: he did nothing and everything for us you know like he did nothing wrong he didn't lose anything besides money and i mean fuck maybe sleep i don't know
0: (laughs) the man doesn't sleep sleep anyways yeah so oh (laughs) that was me and you at the same time alan oh (laughs) right (laughs) but uh, i did see that uh congressman matt gage jumped on the larger apparatus Steve Bannon's War Room. You guys see his new uh, boomer-tastic intro? It's, it's a new one now.
10: No, I haven't, I haven't seen it.
0: It's switched to just War Room and not War Room Pandemic because obviously we've gotten away from that. But, yeah, it launched today. I liked it. But uh, they were talking about the trust levels of Kevin
3: McCarthy and how he just
0: can't be trusted. So let's hear them weigh in.
3: Drew Taylor Green is my friend, and she will continue to be my friend long after this leadership issue is resolved. But we see this very differently right now we are in a process of elimination paradigm because as the math is working out any five people five america first congress members five more moderate republicans can get together and functionally veto any one person as leader so within the Republican conference, we are going to have to have a coalition governance, not by virtue of my choice or anyone else's, but by virtue of how these elections are getting sorted out. And we're taking losses in California, where we should have won. And frankly, we got wins in New York State that no one ever believed would happen. And what I while I, I deeply care about Marjorie Taylor Green, I see what a warrior and a fighter she is in the movement. My concern Is that we cannot trust Kevin McCarthy. This is the same Kevin McCarthy who said that I was a danger to others because I verbally criticized Liz Cheney. This is the same Kevin McCarthy who spent tens of millions of dollars in primaries against America First candidates. And then when people like Caroline Levitt and Joe Kent prevailed in their primaries, they were in a worse shape to go and face the general election because Kevin McCarthy had spent so much money against them in the primary. I mean, I look at Yvette Harrell in uh, in New Mexico, who's only gonna lose by a small handful of votes. And what if instead of attacking Republicans and supporters of President Trump, we put those tens of millions of dollars behind her candidacy? So I think there were strategic decisions that were wrong. I think those strategic decisions illuminate a lack of trust and whatever Kevin has promised Marjorie Taylor Greene I guarantee you this at the first opportunity he will zap her faster than you could say jewish space laser and i wish that wasn't the case but it is the conduct and it is the pattern and practice of kevin mccarthy over years that that showcase this and there's going to be a vote tomorrow and kevin's going to overwhelmingly win that vote but there are going to be dozens of republicans who do not vote for kevin mccarthy tomorrow now kevin has had years to earn their vote. He's had years to earn it. And maybe he earned Marjorie Taylor Greene's. But the fact that there are dozens of people as of tomorrow who aren't ready to vote for Kevin McCarthy, you have to somehow believe that magically between tomorrow and January 3rd, he's going to make up the ground that he hasn't made up with every tool he's already had as leader during the election cycle. And he did all he could to get rid of the America First people. But there are enough of us around where we would rather deal with someone who might be a little more moderate than our way of thinking if we have someone who is honest with us and who has agency and will work with us to unlock the potential of all of the members.
0: Never thought I'd hit the garrison button for <laughs> one of our favorite congressmen, Matt Gates, representing the uh, storm in Florida first. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he he makes a lot of sense and he pulls a lot of receipts. It's It's for the people who don't like to use the Wayback Machine. You got to remember – all, all of the damage that Kevin McCarthy's, you know, his alignment with Liz Cheney, those leaked phone calls that he talked about wanting Donald Trump to get impeached and kicked off the social medias. And then, you know, all the stuff that happened with Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, as minority leader, you don't think Democrat leadership approached Kevin McCarthy and said, like, listen, we're removing her from all of her committees. And this is why. I mean, you have to have some semblance of backing in that. As a he Republican. did nothing. He did nothing. and he did nothing. Uh, you know, it's 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 this way too. Matt Gates is extremely Trump aligned. He's one of the top Trump loyalists that's that's sitting up on Capitol Hill right now. But it seems like he hasn't had the face time because of you know his campaign and things he's doing up in Washington, D.C. Uh, that Marjorie Taylor Green has. We all know that ever since you know her scandal at home with the the swattings of her house that was followed up by her announcing the divorce from her husband. She pretty much attached herself to the Save America rally circuit. She became one of the keynote speakers there and was very close aligned with the president. We do also want to remind our listenership that, you know, Donald Trump still hasn't endorsed anybody for speaker of the house. He endorsed Kevin McCarthy in his California house race. But right. I think he's letting just the growth process, you know, happen because Matt Gaetz wasn't wrong. He says dozens of people weren't going to vote for Kevin McCarthy, and 31 people, which is a little over two dozen, didn't vote for him today. And uh, after today, he's going to have between now and January 3rd to make up those votes, and whatever happens, happens. But he's not in, in position to run be running around with a mandate right now. He's, he's close to nearly, you know, like what, Forty-ish votes away from securing a speaker of the house, and that's a lot of heads you got to turn uh, right now to to get it over the finish line. So we'll have to see what happens. I, I do think it's good commentary, and it's it's something that uh, you know we're going to keep tracking. Um, what do you guys think? He's not wrong.
11: No, no, he's not. And I, 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 I can't figure out. Yeah, maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene was promised something from Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy cannot be trusted. And I'm really surprised at her for her, you know, uh, not not full endorsement, but the we we don't changing leadership is a bad strategy is 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 what she's saying, and I I can't agree with that. And I like Marjorie Taylor green. There are some things she does I don't like, but uh, I have to 100% agree with what Matt Gates. He, he feels the same way I do. It, 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 we 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 need a change and. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, especially when Donald Trump announces and, and what he says in the, in the next coming days and weeks. But I don't know. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much, so many moving parts. It's, it's, it's hard. To I even. do not want to see Kevin McCarthy as speaker of the house. That's no. I, no. I do not.
10: I'm with you.
0: No, I agree. And uh, I did see one of the other good house Republicans out there making the rounds this weekend. He sat down with Sean Spicer on Friday. That's Bob. Good. Uh, and he was talking about some of the demographics that are going into this whole vote, and and what what a possibility is if we can't figure it out by January third. Let's hear it. Get it. So tomorrow, McCarthy faces a conference
7: vote. He has to get half to become the Republican nominee, if you will, going into the House floor. So if he gets that that nomination tomorrow, right? Then the big question becomes it's McCarthy, the Republican candidate versus the Democrats candidate when it comes to January 5th and the whole house. Will you support McCarthy then when it's one versus
18: one? Well, we came to Kevin McCarthy a couple of months ago with changes that we wanted to see brought to Congress to empower regular members, to allow amendments from the floor, to have a majority of the majority to rule, to allow vacate the chair. Uh, to end earmarks, uh, to allow us to vote and select our own chairman of our respective committees, to empower the membership to choose the steering committee, which decides, you know, who is on what committees. And those kind of changes we brought to him, we made it public. We, we brought it to him in good faith a couple of months ago. We've asked to meet with him since that time to sit down and try to get, well, what is your proposal? And, and we've not gotten a response from the leader to that effect. So now there's a number of us who feel like we need to have a contest for speaker, and that will happen tomorrow. After tomorrow, we'll see how close he gets
0: to the 218 that's required. What do you guys think? I mean, that's, it, 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 Matt Gates talked about the trust issues. Bob Good kind of laid out, like, the administrative stuff. Like, listen, we've asked for several things we want to see you at least try to meet us on the middle on. And they said that he's been reluctant to answer them on any of the issues. He just wants to secure the votes. Uh,
11: I— I don't know. Uh, it, it's stumping me because, again, it just cut to me. For me, it comes down to trust and he, he's not even willing to to speak about the issues. I just see him as a, as a phony politician that will do and say anything in order to secure his power as speaker of the House. You know what? That's, I, I don't know what else to say about it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if if at some point in the near future if President Trump is gonna intervene here, that's yet to be seen. I mean we know his slate's pretty full with the Mar a Lago announcement coming tonight. Um, I just saw a poll that said, like, I forget who put it out there, but they said, like, there's an 84% chance uh, that Donald Trump announced his 2024 candidacy tonight at his Mar-a-Lago event. And I quoted the tweet and retweeted it that said, like, spoiler alert, it's 100%. So there, there's no there's no debate what's happening there. But there is a debate that is rising up in the Senate today. Over the course of the weekend, there were a lot of political pundits who were challenging sitting, sitting senators on questions of leadership regarding Mitch McConnell, uh, All Though I have not really been an appreciator of him recently because of some of his garbage rhetoric. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton was out there, um, well, believe it or not, on CBS's DeFace the Nation and uh, wanted to, uh, you know, weigh in on what he thinks is happening with uh, Leader McConnell. Let's hear his commentary.
12: Should uh, leadership elections in the Senate be delayed until uh, December? Um, and should Mitch
17: McConnell remain as a Republican leader in the Senate?
13: Well, I don't see why we would delay the election since all five or six of our leadership elections are uncontested. You know, the, the great wrestling champion, Ric Flair used to say to be the man, you gotta beat the man. And so far, no one's had the nerve to step forward and challenge Senator McConnell. So I support Senator McConnell. I support the other slate of candidates for our leadership elections. I think it's better that we move forward with these elections so we can focus again on the Georgia runoff.
0: So he's kind of taken the stance of being the Marjorie Taylor Greene of the Senate Uh, changing leadership this late in the game when the game's actually just starting, um, you know, is bad. And I don't necessarily agree with that at all. Um, I never thought in addition to um, garrisoning Matt Gates in the same show, we would hear someone invoke Ric Flair (laughs) as well (laughs) when we're talking about the stuff we're talking about, but you know, Tom Cotton took us to task there, and uh, I, I really didn't like it. Um, just the same way I didn't like Tulsi Gabbard sitting in for Tucker Carlson last night because he was giving his, you know, closed-door symposium to the freshman— well, to the House Freedom Caucus, uh, you know. And now and, she's got a
11: job at Fox now.
0: Yeah, and she she was very— Uh, Taken to task by the teleprompter And uh, I could see The spit in her mouth drying up As she's trying to keep up with it and, And smile at the same time So it's not as easy as it looks uh, she's to, garbage. Yeah, not, not a huge fan. I mean, some of the people Trump adjacents have said, like, they're glad that she's doing what she's doing. But until her ulterior motives are all out there on the table, I'm going to, you know, politically and commentary wise, continue to keep her at arm's length. Someone yeah. who I'd like to actually give a hug to is a Missouri senator. Josh Hawley, who I think is pretty much one of the gold standards of, of the Republican Party and, and probably my favorite senator at the moment. He jumped on with Tulsi last night to talk about what's going on up in uh, D.C. and in the Senate. Let's hear him.
13: Well, we need good, strong, independent leadership that actually listens to voters and doesn't just listen to the Washington lobbyists. And I'll just tell you, when it comes to the GOP, the Washington Republicanism that cares more about Wall Street, than it does about working people, it's time for that to come to an end. The the Washington Republicanism, that's all about adventures abroad, the neoconservatism of these global wars, not focused on working people in this country, it needs to come to an end. I think what voters are asking us to do is pretty clear. Secure our streets, you know, let's put new cops on the street, 100,000 of them. Secure the borders, stop the indoctrination of our children and bring jobs back to this country. It used to be you could support a family on one good wage. You can't do that anymore in this country because of the ruinous trade policies that unfortunately both parties have supported. That has got to come to an end. Republicans have got to be the party of working people and working class culture. That's what we're fighting for.
0: I think his star is really starting to rise. What do you think, Alan, over the course of the last year or so? hundred
11: percent, he doesn't, I don't think he said anything that I disagree with. And he's right there Uh, enough with the establishment Republicans. And that's why I I go back to changing the leadership I think would evolve the Republican party and evolve the messaging of the Republican party and enable us to, uh, to, to, to change the way we, we do things and win against, you know, (sighs) evil. Yeah. Yeah. You said it go. Yeah. Tyranny gold standard.
0: 100%. Well, Mitch McConnell's uh, Senate, I don't know what you call it. Minority leader, I guess, because Kamal Harris would be the deciding vote. Challenger Rick Scott was on in the evening yesterday with Larry Kudrow on his show, and he was asking him some of the same questions in regarding Senate leadership. Would you be back in China, Mitch? Let's hear Rick Scott.
5: Are you yourself backing Mitch McConnell? I, I don't recall.
0: Well, I, look, I think we ought to have to figure out like you,
18: Larry. I think what we have to do is say. What do we do going forward? And that's
0: what I want to do. I want to focus on how do we go forward. And that would come at about 20 hours later, he denounces candidacy to challenge uh, the husband of Coco Chow. Coco. (laughs) So I don't know if you heard or not, Alan. It's kind of a developing story over the last couple of days. But uh, Texas Senator Ted Cruz is pissed. You heard oh,
11: about it. what's Teddy pissed about? No, I, I didn't, I didn't see.
0: You know what? I, we, we did give Senator Cruz a lot of credit over the course of the midterm election cycle. It seemed like when a lot of these races heated up, whether it be in New Hampshire, Georgia, Ohio, or Arizona, Ted Cruz was all over the country. Um, stumping for Trump endorsed America First candidates, and uh, we really appreciated that because you know we know he likes the limelight and he likes to talk yeah. and he's he's kind of a funny senator. He was doing his podcast live in uh, Herschel Walker's RV that was going around yes. the state of Georgia. But uh, you know what? He, he looks at the numbers and reflects on leadership in the Republican Senate, and you know it's 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 triggering him a little bit. Let's hear uh, this hot take from Ted Cruz.
2: And there are a lot of Americans that are going to be tuning in to you this morning, and they want to know who is to blame for this. There are a ton of people arguing over this right now that are saying it's Mitch McConnell's fault. No, 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 it's Donald Trump's fault for picking candidates like Dr. Oz. Or, and then it's not even his fault, it's his wife's fault. Oh. And everybody's trying to figure out how do you put this in a box. And I think it's so important to get your take on this. What happened? How did this happen? And who's to blame for it?
18: Well, Ben, let me start off by saying I am so pissed off, I cannot even see straight. (laughs) We had an extraordinary opportunity. We had a generational opportunity. This should have been a fundamental landslide election. We should have won the House and the Senate. We should have a 30, 40, 50 vote majority in the House. We should have 53, 54, 55 Republicans in the Senate. And instead, holy crap. The Democrats keep the Senate. Worse than that, the Democrats potentially grow their majority in the Senate. Worse than that, yes, we take the House, but at best, we're going to take the House with a couple of seats. Maybe. There is an outside chance we lose the House. I don't think we will. I think the numbers are enough that we will hold on to the House. But it's going to be a majority of 219, 220, 221, 222. 218 is a majority. So we're going to be looking at a two, three, four vote majority at best. The rage Americans are feeling across this country, the rage that I'm feeling, there are almost not words to describe it. Because this opportunity was screwed up. It was screwed up badly. And the people are going to pay the price or the American people. The country is screwed for the next four years because of this we're going to see horrible left-wing judges confirmed for the next two years because of this we're going to see judges taking away our free speech rights our religious liberty rights our second amendment rights it is an enormous missed opportunity and 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 i gotta say it it is hard to describe my feelings as anything other than rage right now
0: pissed off rage from lion ted yeah what do you think alan
11: yeah, I'm sure he's pissed, but he, I don't know, maybe it's the tone of his voice. I think some of it's an act, but I, I do know, and I think even Donald Trump mentioned it, that if he had, uh, if he wins in 2024 and is our 47th president, that uh, if Clarence Thomas decides to retire, that uh, Ted Cruz would be on the short list, I think, of nominees for the Supreme Court. And I think, I think Ted Cruz wants to be on the Supreme Court. I think that's his next move from his his position in, in the senate is to be a supreme court justice he'd what do you be, think about that
0: he'd be a better than solid lifetime appointment at his current yeah. age and stature um i think his presidential aspirations have all but evaporated um, absolutely you know he he made an announcement early months ago maybe even six months ago that He felt that Donald Trump was going to get back in the race, and uh, if that was the case, he wasn't going to be participating in the general election cycle. Um, He also went around and stumped for MAGA throughout the course of the midterm, so Mm -hmm. I believe him. And, you know, he he is you know, a constitutional attorney by trade. So I I really feel like he'd be a great addition to replace one of those aging uh, Scottish judges at some point. So, but uh, it's going to take fixing elections, uh, you know, to to make that happen to ensure that we have a Republican uh, president sitting in the white house, our last audio clip of the news. Uh, you know, they weren't done with Josh Hawley. After his comments, which basically, you know, teased that the Republican establishment and the GOP leadership currently up on Capitol Hill was dead, uh, the, the news kind of followed him around. They actually caught him with his family coming out of a restaurant uh, the other day and, and wanted a hot take so much, he decided to give it to him. So let's hear Josh Hawley before
13: we wrap News 1. I think that this election was the funeral for the Republican Party as we know it. The Republican Party, is, as we have known it, is dead. And voters have made that clear. And in particular, the folks who did not vote for Republicans in this last election were independent voters, working class, independent voters, folks who voted for President Obama uh, once upon a time, folks who then voted for President Trump but stayed home this time. We are not a majority party unless we can appeal to those voters. What do you think?
11: One hundred percent agree. Again, it comes down to changing the messaging, the leadership, the party, because right now we stay on this course 100 percent. The Republican Party is on life support. I don't know if I call it completely dead, but we are circling the bowl. when all of these independents are staying home. And I look at all of the voters that stayed home in New York and and other places. But then on the flip side, I do look at all of the, you know, like in New York, again, 11 Republicans going to Congress. Great. But. Uh, there's so much work to do and there's so much messaging to fix. And there's so little
0: time. So little time. Uh, General general election cycle starts today with the Donald Trump announcement and it's, it's, you know, just when you thought you had a chance to catch your breath, it's two years down the pike again, all over again. (laughs) So, you know, we've already seen a couple uh, candidates announce their 2024 uh, election kickoffs. We saw uh, someone who's looking, I believe it's in West Virginia, Mooney announced that he's going to be running for a Senate seat today and a couple others, Uh, you know, but but the fact of the matter is, is that changing all of that stuff on Capitol Hill has to go hand in hand with changing the way we conduct our elections. And we're not talking about stop the steal anymore. We're not talking about, you know, flipping elections in courts anymore. We're talking about doing the things we need to do, the hard work. It is hard work and it's really annoying work being like the kings of social media, being the kings of, you know, uh, going out there and telling people like, hey, listen, if you don't plan on going out voting, don't forget, fill out your ballot, and mail it in. Right. That's the mm. annoying stuff. That's where you need a lot of volunteers, a lot of paid staffers, a lot of campaign offices in states and regions where you haven't historically needed them. But you're just not winning over the moderates, the independents, the walkaways right. like you did, um, you know. And 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 a lot of the messaging is going to come down to uh, how we can reclaim some of that power that the Dems have stolen since 2018. I think the best part about it for me is, and I've studied politics for a long time. This is the first time you, you'd have a president historically that could be upset with his. Senate Majority Leader with his Speaker of the House, especially if they're opposite party. Obviously, we saw it same party with Donald Trump and people like Paul Ryan. You know, this is the first time that I've seen this much revolt from the actual people who are sitting there next to people who they are literally talking shit about, um, that they've worked for for a number, you know, worked with for a number of years. And now they're saying like, I'm sitting next to Mitch McConnell. He hasn't done his job. We're sitting in the same at the same table with with Kevin McCarthy giving a press statement right now, but he didn't do his job. That's why we're not voting for him. And the, 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 the dissent within the party right now in an attempt to fix leadership or at least scare them enough to get back on track a little bit, change a little bit, has me feeling a lot better than I did, let's just say, the morning of November 9th. What do you guys think?
11: I can agree with that, hundred percent, hundred percent. And again, we, we got to see what changes are going to come about. How we're going to evolve? Is this how elections are going to be now? Are we are we are we staying with mail a mail in ballots? Is this the going to be the permanent norm, the or is the abnormal. fight going to be to end that? You know, right.
10: like what did you say, that answer, I said the new abnormal.
0: Right. right. New no, abnormal. it is. And listen, places that you want to fix, places the hard discussions that we need to happen. Michigan had a Republican-trolled House and Senate at the state level for nearly the last 50 years. They both Mm -hmm. flipped this year. So if you think with Gretchen Whitmer beating Tudor Dixon and then the entire legislation of of Michigan flipping from Republican to Democrat, we're just going to be able to fix voter rolls and stop mail-in voting and stop ballot Mm -hmm. harvesting. Completely wrong. You have one or two choices. Adapt. Or abandon the state and focus on other ones. You need one of the blue wall states to win a presidential election. I still think favorably, especially with the stuff that's going on in schools up there and the loss of blue-collar middle-class jobs, Michigan is still very winnable. Same thing in Pennsylvania. Donald Trump won it in 2016. Politically, that was an anomaly. We have not won there greatly since, and we haven't had... You know, the things we need to do in that state, it goes into the same thing. We You've got a, a majority Republican uh, Senate, but then you had a governor in Governor Wolf who just said, great, they passed this law. I'm not going to pass it or I'm just going to change it and then that'll be the new law. So and, and we lost the governor sheet there to Josh Shapiro, who's going to rule like a tyrant. He wants to be uh, a, a Democrat presidential nominee uh, probably in 2028 after his term. So you look at it on a broad scale. We we. Had losses, not gains, in Ohio, in Wisconsin, in Georgia, uh, obviously Nevada and Arizona. Do we refocus on those states and go all out blitz there? Just having the great candidates at the top of the ticket does not necessarily transpire into game day wins anymore. And this election, like probably more than any election in the history of uh, modern politics, shows you guys that. So we're going to have to start doing the hard things. Um, people who want to get involved or, or just live their life posting on social media might need to take that to the next level and start posting on social media for campaigns. Might actually have to go work at Republican ballot harvesting centers in the near future. Because remember, that is a partisan, that's a bipartisan issue. It's not a partisan issue. It's one that's been claimed partisanly by the uh, Democrat Party. But at the end of the day, it's one that we're going to have to take on and uh, we'll be talking about that and more with some of our guests coming up right now. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's a senior contributor at the Daily Caller. He's one of our great friends, always bringing the better-than-solid commentary to Steak for Breakfast. J.W. Gibbons, thanks for coming back on the show.
4: Thanks for having uh, me.
0: No, oh, it's our pleasure, sir. How's everything going on your end? It's all
4: it's going on. Poland just got a little missile drop in one of their farms out right on the border between them and Ukraine. So there's a lot of talk about that, whether that means NATO they're gonna call up NATO or they're trying to figure out if that's a, how big a deal that is. Ultimately, um, I'm, I'm not the expert on the military stuff over here, but it seems like that's something that they probably would not you know jump into the war for. but I mean, you never know people are crazy these days. So they're having their meeting right now to kind of discuss how that happened. It appears that they killed two people. They hit a farm, not like a military installation or anything along those lines. It was very, uh, very kind of erroneous, but it was. There was an attack, or either something. We, I mean, I, the race. They're saying the Russians were the ones that hit it. You never know, really. You never like in that kind of war zone with all the different media flying out of there. That's just the first report that I saw. So that's something that we were uh, talking about here today. But the route, but that's, I think that's going to be old news in about two hours. I think the real, the big thing is what's going on with the the, uh, the elections in the House right now with the leadership.
0: Yeah, I just saw breaking across the wire within the last 10 minutes or so, the uh, votes in the House were 188 to 31. Not really a, uh, well, how would you put it, enthusiastic pathway to victory for Kevin McCarthy. He's starting to feel the way a lot of Republican candidates did on election night right now. With, uh, you know, not the amount of votes he needs currently to be speaker how is someone outside looking in but covers this extensively do you feel after the across-the-board failures of leadership in this midterm election cycle, uh, ronald McDaniel, Tom Emmer, Mitch McConnell, and Kevin McCarthy, uh, especially in close races, the failure to adapt, the failure to accept the nationalist populist movement overall and its candidates, uh, the failure to address what the real needs of the American people were. And I feel like even though we're going to have close to 8 million more voters come out on the Republican side in this election, it's just a, a lot of people felt disenfranchised the message was there but it didn't feel like they were going to back them up and and now we see this mutiny up on Capitol Hill especially in the House of Representatives uh how how is this I mean it's definitely a popcorn eating event but but it's pretty you know amazing to watch it kind of unfolding over the last 24 to 48 hours
4: well, it's so crazy. I, I should have, and I was, I'm one of the guys, like I'm one of the people that said, we're going to go out there and we're going to tear it up because it made sense. Every single issue was on our side, right? We had inflation. We had all the social issues. We had a hundred different reasons for us to be in charge, us to still be in charge and be in charge by a much larger margin. The Senate was very disappointing, but I remember coming in the Senate was always something that we were going to be concerned about. The House, th- that few seats just cannot happen. Like that is ridiculous. Like that. that's that's something I understand why the members that voted against McCarthy are mad. I I get it. Like, it doesn't seem like we really went out there and fought for every person we could have fought for. It it seems like we didn't go out there and really made the attempts to get the guys in if they, if they, the leadership didn't like them. Like, if they weren't leadership guys, and that's, of of course, you can see McConnell, then they're not going to get the help and they need to win, right? Mm -hmm. So you got, you got these guys all out here, like all these attack ads from the primaries, from leadership candidates, getting into the leadership people getting involved with these primaries and sponsoring different the other side that end up losing and then you have these attacks on these guys that are in the minds of all the voters if you're a republican voter you're seeing the republican party right now you don't know where it's going to go you don't know who's in charge of it and that can even go into what's going on with the presidential stuff too it just we're all over the place we always knew this is gonna happen, but for some and for some reason we thought, you know, we were just gonna sail into the midterms, we're gonna win, and we're gonna hash out all this other stuff directly after. And we just did it. And then I think another big thing that we are just neglecting and something that's gonna be a massive, massive issue in the future future is gonna be just the youth the getting the youth vote out like you had single unmarried women come out like 68%, something like that voted down. That's always going to be a problem. That's something of course we should have seen. We never, nobody thought abortion was going to be the issue that it turned out to be. Nobody thought that I was going to come out there and really get people going like it did. And it really got people going, the younger people, like people in my generation. And those are the future voters right there. Like those are the people that are going to be more and more of them every year going to vote. And I honestly, this is something you might want to talk about with uh, Jake Den sometime. Cause I know he'll have a lot to say about this, but I think a lot of it's got to be the social media, the way big tech is kind of manipulating these, what you see on social media, the kind of stuff that it just turns people against us, especially younger people that are well versed in this kind of stuff. I think TikTok should have been banned so long ago. I don't understand why it's not even a question now.
0: No, I mean that that that's that's one of the biggest things there, and to see Joe Biden not even bring it up as is an issue. Anyone, well, him obviously he's not going to bring it up coherently, but anybody in his delegation when 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 they had FaceTime with with President Xi and and his delegation over the past couple of days, it, it wasn't even you know any of the issues that they brought up. And uh, you made so many good points there. You talk about the young vote and the single women. We made so many gains in all the other registerable crossed tabs throughout this midterm election cycle, and they were completely washed out by the youth vote, especially the single women. And it got to the point, like you talked about at the top of your last one, uh, you know, people got so politically exhausted over the course of the primary season. It was like, you have candidates that eventually win that would get absolutely destroyed by the establishment for a year straight, and then they're the nominee. I think where a lot of Democrats might have been energized in, in in just saying, you know what, I don't go out and vote, but I'm sending my mail-in ballot in, I'm going straight D, or when Lindsey Graham comes out and starts saying, like, you know, federal abortion ban, which could have completely waited for after the midterms and isn't really a huge issue, it energized the Democrat base, and it energized a lot of those young uh, women out there to go just straight D and just mail their votes, in. We saw it in places like uh, Georgia and Pennsylvania where you have 60 and 70% of the total electorate that would show up mailing their ballots before election day. And, uh, you know, we're seeing it in places like Nevada and Arizona as well. And the only people you could blame is yourself. I, I do think a lot of the the messaging was there, right? But you you take your messaging and you, like, staple it to the back of a candidate that's so beat up after the primary season, and that's where the disconnect between who the real leaders in the party are nominating are and what the Republican establishment, what their job is supposed to be, get in line with who the people who are nominating. But they just decided to go and put their own rubber stamps out there. And uh, it led to pretty much an election disaster. I do think the only good thing about the low numbers in the House is, is it's going to cause a real... Push for leadership and uh, maybe prevent Kevin McCarthy from being speaker. But at the end of the day, we'll just have to see what happens. It's all up for speculation. But the game has definitely changed drastically since 2018. And if we're not forced to adapt, uh, you, you mentioned social media as well. I think that's a huge component. I know people are all against like all the MAGA people and Donald Trump coming back to places like Twitter and stuff like that. But guess what? That's a component that he's going to probably need for the midterm election, or I'm sorry, for the 2024 general election. You're not going to be able to just use true social uh, as your sole platform for getting the message out there. You know, you're going to have to be on some of those other major ones and uh moving forward it's going to be pretty interesting to see but uh yeah after some big time failures it's it i'm I'm hopeful that we'll see some changes in leadership how ronna mcdaniel is able to keep her job after this someone who's never bought into donald trump never considered him the leader of the party and and continues to just say oh yeah we did such a good job in pickups over the last two election cycles it's an embarrassment for how much money she's had come in and either didn't use or wasted on these last three election cycles
4: And it's like, that's, and that's what that's around these niece. Like what is, who's in charge of the party? Like we had, we, we had a de facto guy in Donald Trump in 2016. We had a de facto guy. And all of a sudden these same people are still doing it. They're still in in these institutions. They're still part. And it's, I mean, that's a growing process. Eventually that's going to change, but do we have time for us to grow as a party before the Dems start locking down bringing in more regulations, trying to do what they can to really cajole us into one can, canal like they kind of do with the social media. Now, like if you look at big tech, we had an article come out, it's actually at the top of our Gelly Collar Twitter page. It's all about how they clearly prove Google and all these other companies were changing the way you saw the internet. We're doing everything they could to try to cha- like manipulate what you were looking at. And then you have China out here of TikTok who has a different kind of TikTok for the chinese people for the chinese kids where in china they're trying to elevate good behavior they're trying to make you uh you know an upright citizen you're trying to make you a good traditionalist like person you're supposed to have, you'd work hard do what you can be a good guy and then in, here in america and there's some and i saw an interesting i don't remember what his name was but it was an english guy uh who was talking about this and he's like in england in america tiktok is all about you know doing pranks on your parents and like shaking your ass on twitter on you know and all this other kind of stuff it's like not nearly help it's not helpful and it's catered to try to destroy your family values it's catered to try to st- destroy you and then the nation that we live in it's, it's a western it's malware and yep. so that's the kind of and yep. no and the biden administration knows that the trump administration knew that and all these other people knew it. and i don't understand if big tech on our side is so in charge of the country how are they not going out there and, and like looking at TikTok and be like why are we not lobbying against this? so is big tech work a big tech working with China to try to keep this out here like this would be something i would think you think facebook you think twitter you think all these other big platforms would be like tiktok's gone now we have an opportunity to be making money off our own kind of things that are similar to that and then if that happens we have at least a little bit more american oversight of what's going on but we're sitting here the tiktok thing is something that's been rubbing me raw for quite a, quite a while cuz People waste their lives on that thing. And there's so many people that are making so much money off of it, they, they don't even care. You'll have people that are uh, conservative influencers even on that app, they'll go out there and say, we need to keep TikTok because they're making money. Because it's the best place to make money if you're an influencer at this time period. So it's, it's something that I don't know how we're going to solve. I think it should have been one of the key issues for going into this upcoming year but that's something we can only push so hard and hopefully that's something i don't see congress fixing i see that's gonna have to be an admin thing that's gonna have to be a trump DeSantis, whoever it is up there in the white house getting that done that's what that's gonna have to be because the congress is too convoluted as it is trying to do stuff like that so no, you,
0: no. It, it, it's a hot take and, and definitely one that we need to address, I think, removing that component from everything that it's intertwined in, whether it's taken away from the family, the traditional Western values in the home, all the way up to how it legitimately interferes with elections are things that should be looking at top to bottom. I fear at the end of the day, I think you know the answer to it's a rather large bed. And the more you peel back the layers or the Giza dream sheets, the more you see how many people are in bed together on this. And it, it's really disheartening to know that, uh, you know, for the sole sake of, of making a buck or winning the election, or uh, you know, you're going to keep this in, in the U.S. and uh, have it just destroying so many other components of traditional American values. Uh, J.W., I did hear you mention Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Uh, obviously today, Tuesday the 15th, we're having a huge announcement tonight at Mar-a-Lago. Although we can only speculate, we all know what it's going to be. Donald Trump's going to be launching his 2024 general election campaign. What are some of the commentary or uh, takes you got looking at that now, uh, you know, as the dust from the midterm election is finally starting to settle?
4: Well, for me, it's just, it's so interesting seeing who's coming out and just piling on to back DeSantis kind of out of nowhere yeah like they're no DeSantis is not calling these guys maybe he is but there's certain people that are going out there that are clearly the the base hates them they're old Bush guys or the guys that got us in the Iraq war stuff like that and like they go out there and they go to and it's almost like they're trying to be personally divisive like they're pushing DeSantis to run no matter what just so he and Trump come to a head and that just becomes a massive bloodbath which I mean ultimately clearly that's going to happen at this point, I mean, then you ha- then you have like President Trump doing what what he does, which is, you know, he's attacking it head on. He always goes first. He always has to hit hard and he hit- and he hits hard. And now it's in a situation where DeSantis looks like he's getting beat up for no reason. And that's going to turn him even further against Trump. And the reality is they should be working together. DeSantis should be the governor for that. DeSantis should be the guy. He is a-, and a conservative icon. They both are. They're very important. And this is something that we might lose a presidential election over because we're infighting and we're letting these other people like Politico puts out a poll so-and-so puts out a poll different polls for like the sandis up 10 trump up 10 all these different things it's just trying it's like they're trying to push them towards a headwind together and it's i don't i don't know what the bigger picture is the bigger game of that is but it is something that i think we need to address quickly and then when you have this massive field like these are not the only two guys that are going to run There are going to be so many guys that run in this thing and they're going to be all going after each other, all playing their own game. And we're going to have infighting. And the one thing that's good for us is if Biden runs, I mean, that's there's no way two more years of Biden can pan out in a positive way. For for the left, like they know that they don't really have as many. They're going to have issues, too, with their elections. So that's something I have faith in. But if Biden runs and he does become the guy, are we going to be sitting there saying well, Trump should have been the guy. Well, DeSantis should have been the guy. Like, in the, are we going to not vote, go out and vote because we're that pissed about how the primary went for us? so that's, what's, that's the kind of stuff that I feel like is going on right now. You look at like the rhino, the, we're not being a unified Republican party anymore. Now we're just, we're two, we're two or three different groups of sides just going at it consistently. And were, some people pick money, some people pick political agenda, some people pick actual issues. And I just don't. I, 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 I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm bearish. I, I want us to be. I think we have a chance. I think we can save this country. But this next two years is going to be so important. This is what gets. This is what gets us across the finish line. We, this is what we need to be. This is cut the fighting, cut the shit. The whole country is going to hell. We. Ha- this is when we have to make our choice and make our stand to get us to uh, a country that our kids can be proud to be in.
0: No, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I, I I think right now the big money donors. Are, are trying to get Donald Trump out of the forefront of the Republican Party, the leadership, uh, you know, of the movement, the nationalist populist movement. And uh, they're trying to replace him with someone. Unfortunately, when you have these large corporate entities like Rupert Murdoch and, and you know, Ken Griffin, the, the billions and when you put them all together, trillions of dollars that they're all worth when you consider their reach and, you know, what politicians they have paid and all the pundits and outlet news sources they control, I think people can probably see that what happens is you take Ron DeSantis and you move him towards the establishment and kind of like throw all of his, you know, America first accomplishments to the wayside. Because here's the thing. When you look at them head to head, besides age, the similarities are are pretty comparable. Yes, Donald Trump did have a lot to do with him getting elected the first time. But Ron DeSantis took that responsibility and parlayed that into an amazing uh, what he did in Florida over the course of his first term as governor there. Now, when, when you look at things that people complain about, you talk about COVID vaccines, they're both kind of pushed on that issue. Ron DeSantis advocated for it. Donald Trump was in a, in a three-man succession with Mike Pence and Dr. Fauci for rolling out Operation Warp Speed and how the Biden administration was able to weaponize it. Same thing with lockdowns. Florida was not the first to lock down. They weren't the last to open up, but they did you know, succumb. So when you just look at it on a, on, a, on a broad base, then it's the MAGA agenda. Okay, so they're kind of pushed there. They're both extremely strong on borders. They're both extremely strong on crime and back in the military and back in law enforcement. So then it it just gets into you start making up stuff. And like you said, the fake polls. The polls that were telling us that all these America First candidates that lost by ridiculously small margins last week. These pollsters were coming out there and saying they were winning by double digits just two weeks ago. So ev- everyone who's, you know, politically educated kind of knows that, but but it's that broad base the people who are just going to be like, you know what, this is absolutely exhausting. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm either voting straight D or straight R and I'm mailing it in. That's the kind of things that, that raise a lot of red flags for me. And while even though we're going to have a huge Republican presidential primary, we need to get it over and done with as soon as possible. We need to figure out who the leader of the party is well before, you know, uh, the the actual elections take place. And then we need to unify behind that ticket because uh, in addition to changing up some things like mail-in voting and uh, early voting, you know, we we need to have uh, a little bit more unification than we did in this midterm election or we're going to reap the same rewards.
4: Yeah, and I think, I think you said exactly right. People are just overwhelmed now. Like, you're, it's DNR. Like, the other night, we were working over here, and we were, like, one of the only people that clipped on Tucker. They're talking about how Nevada, there's an entire 12-hour gap from, yep. from footage from a ballot harvest. Nobody, nobody's reporting on it. You look at Twitter, people are drunk. It's a Friday night at 9 o'clock. Like, nobody's – everybody's drinking. Everybody's partying. Everybody's – I'm done with elections for the week. And, like, that's not when the media stops. and That's not when the world stops. Like, that's something that, like – we're at this point now where you could drop a ground. You could say that uh, Russia nuked Tallahassee and we, it was on a Friday night. We wouldn't know till Sunday. Yeah. So like it's like a it's a completely people are just so des- desensitized. I don't know what it is. Maybe we're living off the fat of older generations. Like, but I think you're completely right. And the mailin thing, the mail-in thing is crazy because it just incentivized lazy politics. You sit there. You don't look at the candidates. You don't have to. You get a little mail come to your house. You check the you check the button you want to check, and all of a sudden, bang, gone. And then the and then when you go into like the fraud element of it, when we when you can't show up with your ID, if you don't like show up with your ID, how are we going to know that's you voting in that? So now we have that whole element to it. We're just in a ter- COVID put us in a terrible situation. Yes, with all this kind of stuff. And that, I'm not going to be one of the people that goes out there and says. I, I'm not going to be the person because I've been saying this is all designed or, or the way it was. And you can maybe make that argument. But it's just our world has completely changed and we have to figure out a way to fix it. Otherwise, we are completely screwed. And we're going to be we're going to get to this situation where I mean, we already kind of are there. Like we have all these technocrats and these already these huge, huge, powerful people that are kind of running the country as they will without even the say of the government, because all of our politicians seem to be just more concerned about money than actually doing, which is a, such an age old thing. This has yeah. been going on since the beginning of history. Like this is not the first time this stuff has happened. So the question is, are we ever gonna grow out of something like that? Are we gonna reach that higher level of humanity where we can go and say, no, we're not doing this anymore. We're gonna do with stuff that benefits everybody. They're gonna do something that actually makes the country work, makes the country, every person happy and about to live in a way where they can actually afford stuff and afford, avoid, afford vacations. Kids my age aren't gonna be able to afford vacations. The credit, the credit problem there apparently there's so much debt going on yeah. with the college age kids, with the kids my age, they're gonna be they're in they're gonna be owned by the banks. We're gonna be owned by the banks forever. So there's got there's so many different problems that are going on at this point. So I would say please just I, when I talk to people, it's vote R, pay attention. And any pay any attention and when I have somebody come up to me and say, I saw this the other day. I'll be like, I'm always so happy because nobody else, because at least somebody sees what it looks at and cares in some capacity. And most days people just go on with their business. I'm going to get through my nine to five so I can go out on the weekend and chill. It's, it, we're, we're, beco- we're becoming, a, uh, we're becoming soft. I don't know. That's, I don't, I don't know what else to say, how else to say
0: it. Oh, you're right. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it with a lot of different people, a lot of people who commentate on politics, provide, you know, real uh, analysis. You, you're definitely one of those people who, who see it in a, in a lot larger prism than, you know, other people out there and can kind of break it down on, on levels, which makes it easier to explain and then in turn uh, digest. And the fact of the matter is we've got an election cycle or two left before, you know, d- just the way the maps look, uh, the opportunity to fix things now and move forward, like the, the Democrats have a ridiculously hard time uh, with the Senate in the same election that they're going to be running against Donald Trump again, or maybe even putting Joe Biden out there, and it, it makes it very difficult to do things if you're willing to change and adapt with the times. Like you know, like you said, the stuff with COVID changed the game across the board, and, and we need to hit it from so many different angles now. And we have a short amount of time uh, to do that. We thought we made some gains in the way you know voter rolls and, and and drop boxes and and uh, Facebook dollars were injected. We, we took care of a lot of that stuff, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough because of the messaging, and then we weren't willing to adapt and, and, and participate in, like, normalized social media and, you know, the early votes and, and, and ballot harvesting and stuff like that. So those are nonpartisan issues. Those are issues that our opponents have now harnessed to their advantage, and believe me, it's going to take a lot to get their grip away from it, but we still have time, and, and we have to do this right. Uh, JW, we want to be able to direct everybody to follow you who, who's not already on social media. Follow The Daily Caller. And uh, you know we'll live link in the show description today, and of course at some point in the near future, we've always got so much stuff to talk about, and the conversations are so amazing. We'd love to have you back.
4: Yeah, th- thank you so much. Uh, my Twitter is at Joel uh, W Gibbons V. At Joel W Gibbons V. And I'm—I mean, I do as much commentary as I can, as I'm as I as I feel some days are more than others. I always love coming on the show. I always love talking to you because we always have a good conversation. We always hit the—I t- feel like we hit every topic every time we're out here. So I will say the one thing—if I have a little bit of time to talk—sure—that uh, talk the, the Lindsey Graham thing. Ugh. I understand why he did it. Yeah, I get it. You give you give these guys a mark, you know, a a spot where you say this is where we stand on abortion. It's uniform. It's not too it's not. Oh, no, abortion. It's not too late. This is a good spot to sit on. Right. And but the thing is, we are in a situation now. when you say that word, we've we've completely lost this battle. And it's so crazy to me talking to people about this. Like, it doesn't seem like it's nearly everybody my age thinks it's cut and dry. Yep. They think it's completely because they've spent their entire lives in the propaganda machine of how that kind of stuff works. And the reality is we're going to have to bend over on that in some capacities. And that's something that some people will never bend over on. And so we're in this, we're in this, they got us pigeonholed on that one. They got us, they got our toe in the tiger in the tiger trap. Like it's, it's that's the one issue that we're gonna have to have a serious conversation on. Whoever's running, whether you're president, whether you're, whoever you are, because people people my age are not either. We need to put out campaigns and make this a much more reasonable thing to people for people to for it to be palpable for people to understand, or we're gonna have to bend over on the entire issue. And if you can't go out there, you can't go out there and say baby killer and some scream, baby killer in somebody's face. I'm just gonna take you seriously. You have to have a real, a real argument on why to do this. We have a whole wing of the party and I understand why, because it is a very, very disturbing issue. It's a very, very complex issue, especially for even when men talking about it, that's yes. uh, and I understand that that's a terrible argument for some in some capacities, but I mean, it's hard for me to go up there and tell like a group of girl uh, young girls that are, you know, future voters and say, You can never get an abortion because it's wrong and not having the capacity of knowledge of knowing like how that affects my body and stuff like that. And like I and i not to say that I agree that they should be able to do it or not, but it's something that that's messaging that we have to take a hard look at. And we got to stop mailing it, mailing it in. We've been mailing it in more, more than one way. (laughs) (laughs)
0: No, I mean, you make an excellent point there. I think going back over the course of the midterm election cycle, I think one of the best examples of how to handle it was uh, J.D. Vance in the Ohio debate. Tim Ryan tried to take him to task on several different occasions. And J.D. Vance said, hey, listen, I'm un- wavering pro-life. That is my personal stance. He goes, but there is a time and where the job I'm running for has a, a different view of that and I'm going to go with what either is voted in at the federal level or where it should be at the state level. And, and Tim Ryan tried to bring it up three times and he reminded him of that regardless of what his personal stance is, what his job duties would be to perform it would be what his constituents want and eventually vote for. And, and when you look at uh, the success rate of some of the senatorial candidates in this midterm election cycle, I think Blake Masters did the exact same thing, but he obviously didn't get to uh, over the finish line where we wanted him to, but, you know, you, you have to be able to listen, and you have to be able to put your finger on the pulse of, like, what actually is going on. We're not dealing with ballots we're dealing with actual human beings and everybody's different and I think the more we, uh, we we've made our party a little bit more of a big tent since Donald Trump came in but we're going to have to extend it a little bit more I do remember though back in the day Muammar Gaddafi had a pretty big tent up at uh, Trump Edminster so I I know he has the ability to make that big tent we'll, we'll see how it goes moving into the general election cycle here. J.W. we're, we're going to be having you back soon again. We, we thank you for coming on today and uh, you keep doing that amazing work you're doing over there at the Daily Caller. This is J.W. Gibbons. Thanks for coming back on steak for breakfast thanks for having me all right joining us next on the show today he's the president of the new york young republicans club he's a columnist at town hall he contributes a lot of political analysts and commentary in a lot of places one of them steak for breakfast gavin wax thanks for coming back on the show my pleasure thanks for having me back oh so how's everything going on your end very busy in new york which uh you know, although we didn't get everything we wanted in the midterm election, definitely got a whole lot redder and uh, saved our butts in the, in the U S house of representatives in a lot of contexts.
9: Yeah, there's certainly a lot of things to be hopeful for here on the ground in New York. Uh, I think we're in the midst of a political realignment and I think, uh, The Democrat Party in this state have certainly pushed their luck uh, to a a certain extent. And I think we're going to see a Republican uh, renaissance uh, at the local and state level in the cycles to come. And hopefully we can maintain uh, these trends going uh, into the presidential election.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, we're looking for a big announcement tonight down at Mar-a-Lago. How are your initial feelings? It's early in the day. Uh, on on Tuesday. uh, President Trump set to deliver a huge announcement tonight. How are you feeling about uh, that overall?
9: Uh, I'm expecting him to announce uh, his official uh, re-election campaign for 2024. Uh, and to that end, the New York and Republican Club uh, came out this morning uh, endorsing President Donald J. Trump. I and the club uh, stand fully behind him. I think he is the right man uh, to lead us in 24. I think we need him back in the White House uh, to finish the job. And uh, I think he will cruise to victory in this primary. And I very well believe and I believe as well that he will win uh, in the general election again. Joe Biden Or some other uh, No name
0: Democrat No we agree with you there And we were absolutely You know Ecstatic for the fact That people That have been in Since the beginning mm-hmm. Like the New York Young Republicans Club And yourself Have come out And endorsed President Trump It's uh the way of the party. He's the clear and uh, total leader as far as we're concerned. There are other people in the country who do amazing things uh, in regards to the Republican Party, whether it be governors or if there are other politicians either in and out of elected office. But the fact of the matter, when you just look at the basis, uh, the draw power, how the game has changed and already results, it's always and always was going to be Donald Trump.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So we did, you know, have the midterm elections just a week ago, and uh, we're reaping the non-rewards of that today. Although we were able to rewin win uh, the U.S. House of Representatives over, we are not going to be able to capture the Senate. The best we could do is the same 50-50 draw we have now with the Herschel Walker runoff on January 6th. But let's keep it in the House. There are, there are a lot of New York Young Republican Club adjacents who are uh, outstanding members of, of the U.S. House of Representatives, especially those in the House Freedom Caucus. Uh, right now they're, they're secretly voting for... Uh, uh, potential nominees and leadership there, which includes Speaker of the House, uh, a delegation backed by a lot of the House Freedom Caucus guys, is uh, leading the revolt and uh, going against Kevin McCarthy, which has been you know something we had hoped for since day one, and uh, nominated Andy Biggs to be the, the speaker there. We also have Jim Banks coming in who would want to be whip and uh, people like that. So what do you think outside looking in? Uh, it's chaos, but it's good chaos. These are part of the growing pains that we needed. Uh, Republican leadership in the midterm elections, Kevin McCarthy, Ronald McDaniel, Tom Emmer, Mitch McConnell especially, failed us uh, across the board in every level. Uh, the game had changed since COVID started in, after 2018, and uh, they've refused to adapt. I'm talking about early voting and Mallon voting that was, uh, you know, nearly 8 million more Republicans came out and voted in this midterm election, and uh, we still didn't get the results that we should have had based on the state of the nation. And uh, overall, you know, voting. Demographic, how they felt going to the ballot boxes. So, what do you what do you think about what's going on in the House right now, and uh, what are you looking forward to uh, as far as seeing like you know leadership getting regulated there?
9: Well, look, I'll start off by saying this should have been a red tsunami. Everything yeah. uh, Everything's working in our favor in terms of the fundamentals and the failures we saw uh, at the ballot box lie squarely on the Republican leadership, particularly in the House uh, with uh, Kevin McCarthy and, of course, Tom Emmer. Tom Emmer uh, has now been removed from his position as NRCC chair, uh, being replaced uh, by Mr. Hudson. Uh, so I think that is a massive upgrade in that spot. Uh, but we still have a lot more cleaning uh, to do in the party ranks. Obviously, you mentioned the speakership race and the whip race, uh, I think both these races uh, could be flipped by conservatives and America firsters simply due to the fact that we have a small uh, minority. I think had the majority been much wider, had we seen, say, a 70-seat uh, change a 70-seat flip, uh, it would have been much more difficult to house, uh the likes of McCarthy and others. Uh, but because of their glaring failures, it actually puts their positions at risk. So maybe you can make, uh, you know, a sort of optimistic argument here that we needed a loss or a, a sort of a, a, a lighter victory, uh, to put it more mildly, uh, in order to really clean house for uh, more fundamental wins down the line. So I think this is the tough medicine we needed to take now uh, to really clear the ranks in order to uh, really set the party up to be the party of the future. And as far as these leadership races are concerned, uh, I think we have a good shot. I, I hope that the votes can be whipped. I hope people can understand uh, that we need to see some major changes. I think, you know, the speaker is going to be the toughest, but maybe we can see some uh, victories at the uh, a victory at the whip race. Uh, and all these positions are really going to set the stage uh, for revitalizing the Republican Party and fundamentally changing it uh, from an establishmentarian party of the neoliberal, uni-party uh, liberal elites that dominates the, the 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 governing wings of both parties into a truly America first populist party and the vision of Donald Trump and his MAGA campaign of 2016, if we are to shift that party ideologically, we will see major victories going forward. And I think one of the large reasons we didn't see those victories is the base didn't come out. The white working class vote did not come out. A lot of people were skeptical, a lot of these uh, different races and obviously all politics is local so while we did see a red wave in many states like Florida or New York we didn't see the same thing in other states and I think that comes down to the leadership in those states the leadership at the national level, where money is being spent what candidates are being backed what the messaging is and they're going to try to simplify all these very complicated and nuanced political variables into a scapegoating campaign against Trump uh, and we have to we have to stop that narrative from being formed we have to understand that there's a very complex uh, series of events that led to this sort of uh, less than spectacular election night result uh, and if we're really going to fix it and really going to dominate uh, as a political party and push back against the left we need to understand that this is a multi variable thing. uh, And we have to address them point by point, area by area, and not simply scapegoat uh, President Trump, who, in fact, was probably a positive, one of the biggest positive influences on this uh, election cycle and saved us in many ways from the incompetence, corruption and grift of the establishment.
0: Well, you're right there. I mean, if you just look at it for someone who's a private citizen, Non-elected official at the moment, and uh, does not hold an official title within Republican leadership, especially in the in the establishment up on Capitol Hill. No one did. Anything more for this election cycle in its entirety than Donald Trump did, uh, pretty much on his own dime, uh, time and physical presence, the endorsements, the tele rallies, almost 35 Save America rallies, and uh, you know putting himself out there and going into the Lions Den with a couple of these really liberal uh, news agencies to uh, you know vouch for and, and talk about the legitimacy of his candidates. And when you see how close the races were, it wasn't because it was candidate quality or or anything like that. It was just because. The Republican establishment, especially in leadership, was not able to whip enough of the base to get involved in, in what was a crazy midterm election cycle. I do get the fact that at some points, you know, it, it could get quite exhausting, but the fact of the matter is, you want to finish strong, and, and I think no one did more to finish strong than Donald Trump with the amount of rallies he held, especially down the stretch. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you have you know Ronald McDaniel, who's never been uh, on board with the nationalist populist movement, Kevin McCarthy, who probably is the best out of the three of them, but that's only because he begrudgingly agrees to some things that Donald Trump wants done at times only because he wants leadership. And then Mitch McConnell, when you saw how many hundreds of millions of dollars those top five or six senatorial candidates were outspent by without any oversight or repro- Percussion for him right now. Do you think it's good to see people like Josh Hawley come out and, and talk directly about Mitch McConnell and saying the Republican leadership in the Senate needs to be completely tore down and rebuilt in the uh, you know, face of what the American people actually want?
9: Absolutely. We need more to come out and, and set the precedent that leadership can be attacked, leadership can be criticized. Uh, you mentioned a few examples there with the financing of these candidates, the fu- the fundraising disparity, and then the funds that we did have where they were being allocated to. I mean, these were glaring uh, mistakes. They were either a mix of incompetence or deliberate in order to protect certain right rhino establishment hacks like Murkowski up in Alaska at the expense of growing the caucus with a Blake Masters in Arizona. And that's really what it comes down to from a philosophical or, uh, you know, just principle level, it's that they value maintaining their grips over their fiefdom rather than growing that fiefdom. They rather have a small caucus or a minority caucus that they fully control rather than having a governing majority, uh, because a majority and, and being in government, you obviously have to be held uh, to account and you're expected to actually deliver results. But it's a lot easier to be the token opposition, you know, whipping your own members, you know, fundraising, grifting, you know, paying your largesse, Uh, rather than actually delivering results for your constituents. And that's the problem we're seeing in D.C. It's this rent-seeking and these uh, various politicians, including the leadership of the parties, are serving the interests of lobbyists and other special interests and their money backers rather than their constituents. Uh, And I think you had a good description of the three key players in leadership, the mix, McDaniel, McCarthy, and McConnell. I do agree. I think McCarthy is the the best of the three, which is not a very high bar, Uh, but certainly McConnell is the worst of the three uh and unfortunately he has the strongest grip on his caucus the uh the senate republicans are a pretty weak uh and feckless bunch we have a lot more uh to be hopeful for in the house uh but mcconnell has a ton to blame you know spending nine million in alaska and only a hundred thousand dollars in arizona i mean these are inexcusable uh types of decisions and he needs to be held to account. he's an unpopular figure i think i last saw in breitbart seven percent approval for him yep uh so he needs to go he needs to be replaced uh and i think Trump is fully on that bandwagon for removing McConnell and I think he understands that he has to go by this piecemeal you know hit one at a time and I think McConnell uh is is a prime target but I think we're probably going to see most likely someone replacing uh McDaniel I think she has only had losses under her tenureship in the party and again All of this is not because we didn't have resources. Hundreds of millions of dollars uh, were raised with all these different PACs, all these different groups, the NRCC, the SRCC, the RNC. All these different letter groups have plenty of resources, plenty of money. They sent out plenty of text messages using Trump's name. Uh, So this was not for a lack of resources. This was for a lack of will and for the simple matter that they probably wanted to see a loss in this election. I think people are even coming out and publicly stating now that they think Lindsey Graham's uh, proposal for a national abortion ban uh, was a ploy and he was just trying to uh, energize the left in order to incur losses. Uh, I think that should be looked into. I think there's a lot of snakes in our ranks and we are going to continue to fail until we purge the party of these snakes and of these. Uh, of these actors who are uh, manipulating uh, the party apparatus to work against uh, party voters. until we fix that situation, we're going to continue to have disappointing loss after disappointing loss. But I am excited for President Trump. I think him at the top of the ticket in 24 uh, could bring a lot of positive energy back uh, to to, to the election uh, cycle. I think he'll bring back out the base that the party establishment has failed to to drive out. And I think we should see some massive wins uh, going into that election cycle.
0: Yeah, it's definitely something to look forward to, especially after, you know, we're looking at our wounds right now. It seems like it's woken up enough of the right people within uh, the Republican Party to at least go out and fight. Hopefully it's just not for show. I don't think it is. I've heard, you know, to see some of the players that are involved, when you see, like, Matt Gates coming to the forefront, Chimp Roy, obviously, Jim, Jim Banks and uh, Andy Biggs we've already talked about. We know Paul Gosar is heavily involved as well. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's time for a couple of things to change. The, the rules have changed since COVID came around, and, and it just – gave opportunities to states where we just don't have the power to flip it by talking about it to differently look at elections. And I I think, uh, you know, we've already talked to Christina Bob and and Cash Patel on the show today. They're two top Trump confidants, and they both agree that, you know, the mail-in ballots and the early votings are a component that they're definitely looking into to harness in the 2024 general election. And then our base will show up on game day, especially when Donald Trump's at the top of the ticket. So you made a lot of excellent points there. And I think moving forward, even though it's not exactly where we want to be, I think it's where we need to be, and uh, we'll be uh, probably having some better results now, at least more oversight and accountability than we've had in years past. Gavin, you guys got a huge event. It's, it's, your, it's your annual gala coming up at the uh, New York Young Republicans Club. It's something that many of the guests who come on this show partake in. They, they talk about and uh, really enjoy. It's definitely something that, uh, you know, for, for the, the nationalist populist movement out there and the America First movement, it's something where you guys kind of come and celebrate uh, the gains and, and, and the road forward every year. You want to tell our listenership a little bit about that and tell us what's going on, who's going to be there that you've announced so far and when the date is?
9: Absolutely. So this is the New York Young Republican Club's 110th annual gala. We've ha- we've held it for 110 years uh, consecutively since 1912. Uh, uh, one of our first guests back in the day was President Taft, and it's had a long, uh, very storied legacy. For and we are certainly looking forward to this year's. Uh, Gala. Uh, We have as our keynote speakers Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia. We have political uh, commentator Jack Posobiec, uh, and we also are going to be announcing very soon our third special guest, our third keynote, Uh, but our special guests this year include a whole litany of major America first players from James O'Keefe to Rudy Giuliani to Peter Navarro to Steve Cortez to Roger Stone uh, to many more. We're expecting many newly elected members of Congress, uh, many uh, current members. Elected members of Congress, obviously Paul Gosar, you mentioned earlier, was an attendee last year. We expect him to attend this year. Uh, We have Corey Mills, a newly elected guy out of Florida. We have Mike Collins, newly elected out of Georgia, Uh, and we are going to have many, many more uh, different uh, influencers and commentators. Ashley St. Clair, uh, Steve Bannon, possibly will be attending as well. So this is going to be a massive event, a 500-plus person black tie event in the belly of the beast in Manhattan, uh, as a you know hive of conservative America first villainy, as we like to call it. So last year was a smashing success. Uh, This year we're planning uh, to outdo ourselves yet again. So if you are in the area or you're interested in coming, it is December 10th Saturday in New York. We have tickets on sale, tables on sale, sponsorships. It's going to be an absolute blast. And I also want to quickly mention uh, something that you brought up towards the end uh, of what you were saying previously about ballot harvesting and all these other tactics by the left. These are political tactics that are ideologically neutral. There is nothing stopping Republican from engaging in a very rigorous early vote campaign, ballot harvesting campaign, mail-in vote campaign. If these are the if, the if this is what's on the books in terms of election law and this is what's being allowed, we have to utilize it. We cannot show up with a knife to a gunfight. We need to come prepared. We need to use all the tools at our disposal to win. And once we win, we can reform the system. But if we whine while not taking advantage of these tools, it is the left that's going to win. If they're going to utilize uh, a voter ramp period of 20-plus days Days to gather their lazy voters and we don't, they're of course going to win because they're going to be able to get their numbers out even if they're unmotivated. And that's what we saw this past election cycle. So whatever tactics and tools they're using, if they are ideologically neutral, we need to use them and we need to win because winning is the name of the game and we need to stop losing uh, with our heads held high and we need to start winning uh, with our brows sweaty.
0: That's it, and, and no one's getting you know their hands dirty. Gavin, more than you in this movement right now, you're out there at the front of it, leading at the New York Young Republicans Club and uh, doing your own special version of, of whipping, which I think is absolutely amazing for this movement. You want to tell everybody where they could find you across social medias, and we'll live link that in the club in the show description today?
9: Absolutely, and thank you guys for having me back
0: to follow me personally. It's at Gavin Wax,
9: G-A-V-I-N-W-A-X. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the whole thing. And you can follow the New York Young Republican Club, the oldest and largest Young Republican Club in the country, a bastion for the America First movement here in New York, at N-Y-Y-R-C, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc.
0: And thank you guys, and I hope you guys follow. Uh, We'll be looking to uh, have you back on the show real soon. This is the 76th president of the New York Young Republicans Club, Mr. Gavin Wax. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. God bless.
12: At this point in time it looks like republicans are going to take control of the house of representatives while democrats will hold on to the senate now we've spent all week hearing nothing but pundits pontificating on what actually happened in this election But if you're like me, you've had enough of that. It's time for us to talk about what happens next. It's time for those who actually got elected to prove to the American people that they're not just politicians, that they actually are there in Washington to take action to protect the interests and freedom of the American people. Unfortunately, while in Bali today, instead of delivering a necessary message of unity to all Americans, President Biden chose to attack half the country once again, implying that the only acceptable Democratic outcome is a win for the Democratic Party.
1: Let me start with a few words about the recent elections held in the United States. What we saw was the strength and resilience of the American democracy, and we oh. saw it in action. And the American people prove once again that democracy is who we are. And there was a strong rejection of election deniers at oh. every level from those seeking to lead our states and those seeking to serve in congress and also those seeking to oversee the elections and uh, there was a strong rejection of political violence and voter intimidation
12: there were no candidates this cycle that were in favor of political violence or voter intimidation or destroying democracy joe biden's message is the wrong approach because here's the truth as long as the democratic party and the permanent washington elite are working hand in hand with google and facebook And as long as Google is allowed to continue to use its monopoly power to skew public opinion in a certain direction, literally manipulating the information that we as voters are allowed to see, then there is no democracy. A recent study by researchers at North Carolina State University found that Google's email service, Gmail, quote, retained the majority of left-wing candidate emails while sending, quote, the majority of right-wing candidate emails to the spam folder. Additionally, Google has greatly reduced the visibility of various conservative websites in its search results. Breitbart, for example, found that Google has changed its algorithm so that search traffic to Breitbart declined by more than 60%. As you can see, these kinds of changes can have a major impact on voting. A peer-reviewed 2015 study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences found that big search engines like Google can influence the voting preferences of undecided voters by 20% or more. We've been hearing a lot of politicians scream and shout about how committed they are to defending our democracy. Stop posturing. Stop fear-mongering. Do something about it. That's what we need right now. Leaders who are actually serious about working on behalf of their constituents and the American people and finding common sense solutions to the many challenges that we face.
0: Well, that was part of Tulsi Gabbard's cold open last night as she sat in for Tucker Carlson. Uh, she talked about some of the leveling of the playing field we need to do in the next couple years regarding social media. She gave some specific examples that we've highlighted from time to time on this show. Uh, we've had a couple people on from the Daily Caller who have confirmed that. And, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty, you know, apparent now, uh, that that's one of the fronts we're losing the battle on. Um, yeah. for, for all of the great things in, in places like True Social, uh, that it's doing as a free and open platform where everyone from President Trump to average citizen could go and, and, you know, have an open and broad discussion on things that they're feeling about, whether it be, The state of the nation, kitchen table items, rigged and stolen elections, that's fantastic. But if we're not diversifying across all other platforms and uh, on platforms that we're able to get stuff out on, like your, you know, pretty normal Internet browsers, ones like Google, and there's a one in seven chance you're going to get the results you're looking for because of algorithm repression, then are we really getting the message out? You know what I'm saying?
11: Yeah, that's that's the big problem, you know truth social is great is it an echo chamber i don't know some would say yes some would say maybe i i
10: could be kind I, of sort of in a way yeah
11: I, I would lean towards that towards yeah sort of it it, it leans that way even places like was it gab and, and getter you know twitter all right twitter is it going to change is twitter going to uh, you know are we going to, uh, is Twitter going to be a platform that's going to be useful for Republicans and conservatives going into the presidential election? I would hope under the, under the, you know, now control and leadership of Elon Musk and what's being allowed. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that it is, but I, I take my, you know, I'm, I'm a nobody, but conveniently a few weeks before the midterms, my Instagram, uh, uh, account, which only had about 8,000 followers, but had tremendous reach. It wasn't shadow banned. All of a sudden I wake up one day and it's gone. Really? And then a week before the midterms, my Facebook page that was, you know, monetized by Facebook hits 42,000 followers, gets tremendous viewership and tremendous engagements gets throttled down, not all the way, but a little bit a week before the midterms. I'm noticing today actually, people are seeing a little bit more of it, but not as much as it was. And I was on there, you know, doing my live streams and my shows, telling people what they could do about elections. And I had people, you know, having full on conversations about how they were going to go and offer rides in their community and what they could do to get the votes out and get people to the polls. And then boom, a week before the election, yeah, we're not going to let you, we're not going to let you have that reach anymore. You know, my Facebook analytics, you know, you know, for, for the 28 days before I was reaching 10 million accounts, my, my, uh, post, uh, reach was like two point something million. And now it all the way down to, I think now I'm like in and around a a 1.2 million people are seeing it as opposed to 10 a week before the midterm elections. And, and I'm, and I'm a nobody. So what are they doing to these, these, these these big people on these big platforms that they're not coming up in Google searches and Gmail and their Google and making sure that election emails are going into spam. Myself, my spam folder, I have about 12 Gmail accounts. All of the spam folders are full of uh, election emails from, you know, Joe Kent and Herschel Walker and Blake masters and Carrie Lake and all of them.
7: Mm
11: -hmm. Uh, You know, and it's, it's, I don't know if the cell phone providers are, were doing anything I, you know, my text messages every day, still getting text messages from Herschel Walker, which by the way is right now, very important. So everybody who's going to be listening to this, make sure you go to team If you have a donation to give, give it to Herschel because big runoff coming up in December needs the money, needs the voter contact. And it's big. It's a win. It's it. Yeah. We need it for the win run, fight, win for Georgia Herschel Walker. So get there and, and, and donate for him. And we got to stay in this fight. I always say they will never silence us. They will never silence me. They'll never silence steak for breakfast and so many others out there. As long as we keep putting in the work and we all put in the work, not because we're making so much money because none of us are making anything zero. This is not what we do for a living, but we're doing it because we're here for the mission. We're here for the message and we love America. And we love freedom and that's why we're doing what we're doing and why steak for breakfast has such a large audience and a big production. And I put so much money into my show, the great divide and all these other shows out there, whether it's social media platforms, networks on Roku TV podcasts, websites, blogs, the meme masters. We're not all doing it to just say, Hey, look at me. I want to be somebody. Everybody's playing a part in this fight to retain freedom. And, uh, Not to take it in the ass from Democrats. Exactly.
0: Yeah, that's a great point there. And, uh, you know, people who don't love democracy were, you know, jet-setting around the world over the course of the weekend. And uh, they started at the uh, COP27, where obviously climate change, the biggest scam in the (laughs) history of the universe besides the current U.S. electorate system, uh, was on center stage. I've got a couple clips of Joe Biden and then an update on – Something very embarrassing uh, regarding him today. But uh, let's hear him talking about transformational changes to the world that he'd like to be a part of moving forward.
1: I came to the presidency determined to be tra- to make the formula- transformational oh. changes oh. that are needed, that America needs to make and we have to do for the rest of the world to overcome decades of opposition and obstacles of progress in this issue alone. To reestablish, the United States is a trustworthy, committed global leader on climate. Oh. As I stand here before you, we've taken enormous strides to achieve that. Oh. But I don't stand here
0: alone. Obviously, you had some protesters in there who weren't feeling. Wow.
10: I mean, were, that, were those <laughs>
0: <laughs>
11: I wasn't sure either, what to make of it. That, maybe
10: there was a, those there are a, some, a wild
11: animal that got it. like a banshee. The, the I what maybe, you, what's be... his dog's name? Commander?
0: Oh, <laughs> the one that got banished to the farm?
11: Yeah, yeah. It was maybe finally turning on him, right?
0: <sighs> that Is was that the
11: thing that they had in Egypt?
0: Yes. And then uh, Egypt, Cambodia, they, they had All a couple right. of them. Uh, uh, just...
11: 400 private cl- planes landed so they could tell us all to ride bikes and live in tents and own nothing.
0: Right. We, we don't, <laughs> we don't talk about carbon footprints on this show. I I am going to stay <laughs> off the garrison button for this hot take though. Let's see if anybody can make out in uh, the language that Joe Biden frequently speaks, what he's saying.
1: The agency recently concluded that our significant climate investment will quote, help turbocharge the mer- the ener- the uh, the oh, Turbo the emerging global clean energy co- clean energy economy. I was reading their quotes.
10: <laughs> what in the world?
0: Yeah, it was pretty ugly. What
10: was that?
0: Turbocharged the Merg.
10: <laughs>
0: you know, the Merg. You guys never heard of the Merg? The Merg. That's turbocharged what actually, the Merg. Is that a new car? Electric
11: car coming out?
0: It actually said in in in. in the uh whatchamacallit? The captions. It was like he turbocharge was in caps and then it says the Merg and then it just says pause and then it says pause and then it says inaudible and then it says turbocharge again. I'm <laughs> sitting there reading the captions and I'm like, oh gosh. Yeah. So here's the thing. They went from the Cop twenty seven to the G twenty, um, in Indonesia, right? And, you know, one of the biggest things there was FaceTime. Obviously everybody saw the absolute disaster and embarrassment Joe Biden was putting on like the culturally appropriate top and walking around like a moron with Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab and Justin Trudeau. And uh, on the first night, before they really get into it all, they have this huge kind of private state dinner. And uh, it's, all, it's everybody that's going to be there. You know, she and uh, um, uh, MBS will be there. And, you know, the, the people where you need to go in, especially with all the stuff going on, people that are tuning into the show today or moving forward would have known there was a cross border cross border incursion uh still not all the way confirmed but initial reports are that a, a skirmish between russia and ukraine uh russian missiles had violated poland's border and may have struck polish citizens killing two of them yeah so whether or not it was an accident. Or what the severity is of it. It obviously has happened within the last two hours. Article five has not been triggered yet because it's not an invasionary act of war. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're trying to get to the bottom of it. But while all this stuff is heating up and Joe Biden should be sitting at the big boy table with all the world leaders, let's get an update from one of our favorites, Peter Ducey
13: would be that President Biden is missing the G20 leaders dinner he is supposed to be at a supper right now 8 10 in the evening here in Bali Indonesia with everybody that flew in uh, if you're the US president you spent basically two days flying to get here for a dinner like this you got MBS there you got Trudeau there she is also there if anything was left on the table Uh, Yesterday, we did hear President Biden tell us that he had a cold uh, and he has tested negative for COVID, despite the Cambodian leader from our last stop being positive now. But we do not know uh, exactly what is going on with the president. They called an early lid. So we will keep you posted on what exactly is going on with...
0: So President Dumbass caught COVID on his jet-setting world tour to end climate change, and at a dinner that he needs to be at, just for face value as representative of the United States, he's got to go to bed early because he's got the fucking sniffles.
11: <laughs> yeah. Leader of the free world. Yeah. This, whole, this whole Russia thing with the the missile into Poland that hit a farm, and killed two people supposedly and hit a farm. This wasn't like a strategic strike from Russia into Poland, but the the media, even Newsmax today, they were asking like, you know, was this intentional? Well, you know, it's really hard to say. Really? (laughs) Really? So, so Russia decides that they're going to take out a farm in Poland because he wants to keep advancing West and take over the world as the modern day Adolf Hitler. Now I'm not a Putin sympathizer because that's what Democrats would say if they were listening to this, or the liberals, but I mean, come on, let's use some common sense. And the missiles that are, that they're using are 40% accurate. You know, I, I know what distraction and nonsense.
0: Well, we've all also had biggest grifter in the world. Vladimir Zelensky come out today and say the United nations needs (laughs) to quickly assemble and assess the situation. And if this is an act of war, they need to act. And which is definitely not going to happen. And had the opportunity to ask President Biden, who agreed, and then has sent now to Congress the authorization for thirty-seven point seven billion more dollars of aid funding and military equipment mm. for Ukraine. So, isn't it
10: after they got like, for example, that crypto exchange FTX got caught funneling all that money to the Democrats yeah. through with the with Ukraine donations and all that bullshit? Oh, God.
0: Yeah. I think they're trying to put every big weird thing in the news cycle right now to take the wind out of Donald Trump's sails. I also hundred percent am okay. anticipating it's in the two o'clock hour now, just about on the West Coast on Tuesday, and they have still have not announced one of the I think dozen or so races yet that would give that would confirm. Uh, Republican majority in the Senate. They've all but had it based off the races that are still out there, but it still sits at 217. So kind of kind of annoying. They're trying to do everything to to kind of take the win out of President Trump's sales. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But I don't know if you guys saw, there was cause some congressional hearings today up on Capitol Hill. Uh, the person who was sitting in the hot seat, as usual, was... Uh, embarrassing Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, this comes off the heels of him firing CBP Commissioner Chris Magnus over the weekend for what he would consider dereliction of duty and comes at the same time, I don't know if you guys saw this either, Texas Governor Greg Abbott took a note from the Kerry Lake playbook and declared, well, he invoked an invasion clauses of the U.S. and Texas constitutions today to authorize Full and unprecedented measures to defend the state from what he considers an invasion. Um, okay. He said he's using that and other constitutional authorities that he has uh, and executive orders to keep the state and country safe. I'll read you a couple of the bullet points real quick before we get into the Mayorkas hearings. Right now, he wants to uh, deploy the National Guard to safeguard the border and to repel and turn back any immigrants trying to cross into the country illegally. Deploy the Texas Department of Public Safety, DPS, as they're commonly known on this show, to arrest and return border immigrants who have crossed illegally and deploy DPS to arrest illegal immigrants for criminal activity. I guess that would include trespassing, you know, the killing of farm animals. Some of them were eating fucking dogs and stuff like that. Build Uh a a border wall in multiple counties on the border where it was not finished. Deploy gunboats to secure the border. Designate Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations, if only recognized as such by Texas. Enter into a compact with other states to secure the border, so everybody who wants to get involved is more than welcome to do so. Enter into agreements with foreign powers to enhance border security. I'm assuming that would be the Golden Triangle states and probably Mexico if they're willing to listen. And provide resources for border counties to increase their efforts to respond to the current border invasion. And that is directly from Greg Abbott. So Mr. Reactionary Governor himself, Mr. Not Ever Do Anything Enough and Always Jump On just to kind of get the attention of President Trump, has taken the unprecedented steps to, uh, He's declared an invasion on the state of Texas, and he's absolutely fucking had it. So we'll see if he follows through with everything, but it's out there. And uh, I think it comes at an opportune time, not only because of the results of the midterm election, but because of an overwhelming majority of the Biden delegation being out of the country right now. Uh, I think it's time to pounce uh, in places where we could pick up possible W's. What do you guys think? I love it. Yeah. So it's
11: about time. It's about all right. time. Get the snipers, get the tanks, get the landmines. Get the dogs. Let's do it.
0: So getting into these Mayorkas hearings. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, there we go. Um, (laughs) We saw, you know, one of the biggest things that they've pushed over the course of the last two years was the violent domestic extremism and its post threat to democracy. Um, Some of that was up. And before we get into the actual good stuff, like the border invasion and, and the bullshit narrative of January 6th. Let's hear this crappy narrative.
16: Secretary Mayorkas last year, you said
14: that quote domestic violent extremism poses the most lethal and
5: persistent terrorism related threat to our oh. country today. Is that still true? Uh, Mr. Chairman, that continues uh, to be uh our assessment in the Department of Homeland Security, that domestic violent (laughs) extremism, uh, particularly through um, lone actors or small uh, groups, loosely affiliated, um, are spurred to violence uh, by uh, ideologies of hate, uh, anti-government sentiments, personal (laughs) grievances, and and other narratives propagated on online platforms. Oh my goodness.
0: Um, how this guy still has a job is absolutely Trumpers. Yeah. I, I, I I, I really hope that we get enough people to, to investigate this, um, you know, because, and and that was Benny Thompson, co-chair of the January six committee stoking flames of that. Even after they essentially got what they, they wanted during the, uh, the midterm election. So um, I did see Rep Higgins, who, who's a lot more stronger on, on some of the actual issues than, uh, you know, some of his Democrat counterparts in, in the committee wanted to say, OK, you want to talk about insurrection and domestic extremism? Let's talk about January 6th. Let's hear him rehash Ray Epps.
19: Does it does the FBI have confidential human sources? Uh, did the FBI have confidential human sources embedded within the January 6th protesters on January 6th of 2021?
2: Yes. Well, Congressman, as I'm sure you can appreciate, I have to be very careful about what I can say about when- Even now,
19: because that's what you
2: told us two years ago. May I finish? Uh, About when we do and do not, and where we have and have not used confidential human sources. Uh, But Mm. to the extent that there's a suggestion, for
18: example, That the FBI's confidential human sources or FBI employees in some
13: way instigated or orchestrated January 6th, that's categorically false.
19: Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being opened?
0: Again, I had to be very careful. It should be a
19: no. Can you not tell the American people no? We did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters' position inside the Capitol. Gentlemen's
2: time has expired. You should
0: not read uh, anything into my ne- decision uh, not to share information.
13: Director uh,
14: gentlemen's time has expired.
0: I tell you what, in some of these congressional hearings, they fucking need the garrison button. They literally they do. do. <laughs> they, they, they they, just do. I think it would make for so much, oh, the gentleman's time has expired. Oh, oh I said, the gentleman's time has expired. Oh. Do you yield back? Oh. No. Oh. It would it's, just make for better theater.
11: It's such kangaroo court, these hearings, the whole,
0: ugh. And then, you know, when you see Ray and Alejandro Mayorkas sitting next to each other, yes, they sound like they can't answer a coherent question, but they're just there to not take the blame for anything. And then they go back right. to their lives of making regular Americans' lives miserable. And, uh, you know, Mayorkas didn't even have to like, you know, hide his hand. yes, Violent domestic extremism is still the number one cause of every problem in this United States. Meanwhile, people are getting thrown on subway tracks and beat up Mm -hmm. and shot in their driveways. You can't even go to a fucking Wawa in the middle of the night anymore without having a flash mob come in there and raid it. Literally in
11: October, just last month, they said that the number one cause of death of pregnant women is homicide. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, that was a story. Even CNN ran it.
0: Yep. I mean, you know, you saw that guy that got out in New York and went and killed his girlfriend after he was. Oh, yeah. After he was put in jail for attempted murder of her. And he yeah, was released. How about
11: the guy in New York who was locked up with all the fentanyl and let out on bail.
0: Yep. Just let out with no
11: bail. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. We get, yeah. You got enough fentanyl to kill a whole, whole five boroughs. Let him out. Let him out. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: I'm sure he won't do it again. Uh, last clip I've got in this because because it was there was some juicy ones. It, it's talking about some of the stuff that's going on on the southern border and uh, some of the stuff that we've heard, you know, from from really great outlets like Breitbart. They've got great border correspondents. Obviously, Jorge Ventura is a steak for breakfast enjoyer and a frequent guest on the show, talking about how a lot of these people like it's it's now evolved into catch and release to catch and we just don't care. Come in, and you get like a high five when you come in the border. Now, and uh, let's hear Rep. Higgins dig in on this.
19: For the record, are you aware, or have you authorized CBP agents to release illegal aliens into America without identifying, screening, or vetting them properly, or harvesting even basic biometric data like fingerprints? Uh,
5: Congressman, um, our nation's so- uh, sovereignty stands strong, in oh. our brave men and women in in the Border Patrol and throughout U.S. Customs. Are you aware
19: or have you authorized CBP agents Early. to release illegal aliens into America without having properly vetted identified identify them or collected at least basic biometric data like fingerprints? Congressman, I mean, you uh, got millions coming across. Uh,
16: Congressman, uh, our, from, uh,
19: uh, Ms. Higgins, oh! Allowed the secretary to It's answer. my time, Mr. Chairman. It, if I want to reclaim well, my time, I will. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I'm going to move on without an answer, Mr. Chairman. Are Mr. you asking be, for me to yield you time? No, you, you,
8: I'm the chair. Then I'm going to reclaim oh, my no, time? You, look, we don't. Moving
19: on, no, Secretary no, look, Mayorkas. The gentleman from. Are you interrupting oh, my time, Mr. Chairman? Uh, well, or are you requesting me I'm to trying, yield you time? I'm trying to make sure that we conduct. You're uh, interfering with my five minutes, Mr. Chairman. Well, then the gentleman will. If you catch- request me to yield you time, I'll give you time. No, but that's not the procedure. But that oh. is the procedure. It, it is not. It Such is a not. corrupt apparatus. So, of course it is. Look, I, I reclaim Secret- my time, and I, I want this time back. Secretary Mayorkas, uh, look, have you used uh, your authority uh, to suppress exculpatory evidence presented by CBP agents who've come under public attack and condemnation by DHS and the Biden administration? Have you used your authority to suppress exculpatory evidence presented by CBP agents who've come under public attack and condemnation by you and the Biden administration. Two
5: points, if I may, Congressman. Number one, in response to your second question, I don't even know what you're referring
19: to. And with, oh, with my respect my to your advice. first I question. I'll take that as that you're on the US record as customs, saying no.
0: U.S. Boom. And he's talking about Whipgate. Um, which we all found out due to in- internally leaked documents that Alejandro Marquez knew 100% beyond the shadow right. of a doubt that the Border Patrol agents in the Rio Grande sector did not commit any kind of bad use of force right. when, when the, the horses were being startled by the migrants who were essentially <laughs> running all, all around them and they were using the reins to try and keep the horses under control and not, number one, not falling off, number two, not getting... Uh, their horses thrown and number three from, you know, protecting the migrants from not getting crushed because, you know, these horses are not the ones that you run up and pet. These are the ones that are used for enforcement in, in, in brutal terrain. And uh, you know, some of those border agents incurred massive investigations put on paid administrative leave, just had their family's name drugged through the mud. And it was just an absolute embarrassment when you had like the entirety of the group of border patrol agents were all Hispanic and, and they're trying to line them up there with the white nationalist narrative. And it's just, So disgusting to see that this guy has gotten away from it. But I don't know if you guys caught it. The power and the balance of who sits in the committee chairs is about to flip. And thank you, Rep Higgins, for going out there today and and acting like you actually are going to control the House uh, committee hearings and and investigative hearings moving forward in January because that's a lot of what it's going to look like.
11: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. There's good, good stuff. Just see, I just happen to have it up. But did you see uh, the House Republicans elected their
0: whip? Who is
11: it? Uh, according to Breitbart, it's Tom Emmer.
0: Oh, scissor me tambers! <laughs> Couldn't now. Remember, nothing's official until January. But those are those are uh, those are pre votes. So, but yeah, what what was the score?
11: Uh, let's see, beat Banks uh, one fifteen by one oh six.
0: Okay, so. Got a little bit of what we're working with, and it looks like it could lobby in either direction. So I do like what's going on there. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that I don't know if you guys saw it today. Um, after much pressuring and true social posting, uh, Ron DeSantis was actually asked about the narrative that's going on between him and Donald Trump and how he wants to uh, address it. Did you guys see that?
11: Yes. Pretty interesting. interesting how he answered
0: only way to fittingly round the show on the day when Donald Trump's about to make his big announcement is to finish up with this narrative, and uh, let's hear the governor from the Sunshine State weigh in on uh, Donald Trump. We'd like to
12: know what you think about Trump's big announcement and some of the less than flattering comments he has made about
16: you. Well, you know, one of the things I've learned, like learned in this job, is. Um, uh, when you're do when you're leading, when you're getting getting things done, yeah, you take incoming fire. That's just the nature of it. Uh, I roll out of bed in the morning. I've got corporate media outlets that have a spasm just the fact that I'm getting up in the morning, and it's constantly attacking. And this is just what's happened. I don't think any governor got attacked more, particularly by corporate media, than me over my four-year term. And yet, I think what you what you learn is all that's just noise and really what matters is are you leading are you getting in front of issues uh are you delivering results for people and are you standing up for folks and if you do that then none of that stuff matters and and that's what we've done we focused on results and leadership and uh you know at the end of the day uh, i would just uh tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last tuesday night the fact of the matter is Yeah, you know, the fact of the matter is, we um, it, it was the 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 greatest uh, Republican victory in the history of the state of Florida.
0: Fact check, true. It seems that uh, Ron DeSantis really doesn't want that smoke at the moment, right. uh, not feeding into the mainstream media narrative. And ones with their in his own apparatus are are you know stoking the flames of in the mainstream media at the direction of the big corporate conglomerates and. uh kind of took the high road there. So yep. I, I don't really see anything wrong with that. And I, I think, uh, you know, that's probably the best answer for right now. It'd be interesting to see. I don't think he's going to show up at the announcement tonight. But, you know, <laughs> as the governor of the state uh, of the first person to announce for the presidential nominee should be, I, I, I it would be in good taste for him probably to do so. What do you guys think?
10: think uh, Totally.
9: Yeah, I, I think he I think he
11: should be a Mar-a-Lago for for the announcement, whatever that might be. And, you know, he was asked the question and he made no mention of the big announcement. He made no mention of Donald Trump at all, spoke about the mainstream media. So maybe that could be interpreted two ways. And I think there these are the two ways people are interpreting it either. He thinks Trump is completely insignificant, uh, which I don't I don't believe that. And uh, or he didn't mention Trump because he doesn't want the smoke or and out of respect for what Donald Trump has done for Ron DeSantis in his political career. You know, you know, up to this point, that could be it, too. So it's going to be interesting.
0: Yep. One of our favorite guests, good friend of the show, possibly future employer. Mr. Raheem Kassam is making the rounds uh, teasing on the show last week. So it's OK to say it. Uh, we just can't officially say where the National Pulse presents Steak for Breakfast podcast yet. Um, but, you know, he's been making the rounds. Raheem's actually been reinvigorated by a a lot of the stuff that's going on. Uh, I think it's because the way he sees it, he tends to dissect it. And then from the outside looking in, knows, can identify and and offer reasonable solutions, you know, as someone who worked directly uh, with with the whole Brexit thing, um, where we're going and how we can make what we're doing now better. Um, So it's good to see him feeling it again. And uh, I saw him talking on, you know, this whole issue between Trump and DeSantis, I thought it was a good clip, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy it too. Let's hear
20: it. I think they always intended this, and my working thesis now is that they always intended to under-deliver at these midterms. Mm-hmm. They raised the expectations, the red wave stuff, but I think the Republican apparatus always intended to under-deliver. Shooting themselves in the foot was the only way they could get Trump, they think. They think. And they are more than willing to do it. And for the sceptics of this theory, they've done worse. They've done Mm -hmm. worse things. But this is my operating theory right now. So, you know, it's interesting. As
4: I mentioned, I was listening to your conversation actually this morning um, and then I reached out to you and somehow we had time to have this conversation. Yeah. So you were talking about Trump's endorsement rate, which if you look at it, you know, I think, what was it, like 93 percent? And it was yes. well over 100 and something candidates that he endorsed in this election cycle. So over I actually 200. went back yeah, over 200. So I went back and I looked at Obama's record. In the last uh, every election cycle, going back to twenty eighteen, so the midterms in twenty eighteen, and mm-hmm. he's been barely over fifty percent in every yeah. single election cycle. So, to me, I think the actual thing we're seeing here is we're kind of burying the lead on on the actual win here.
20: That's what I keep saying. That's what I keep saying. I keep saying, you know, are people nuts? That uh, they, the, you know, a ninety three percent. Let's let's say even if, as mm-hmm. some critics have said to me over the last twenty four hours, even if. You say oh well you can't count all those endorsements because you know some of them he endorsed so late and some of them were destined to win anyway and whatever even if you take those out he has one of the most extraordinary endorsement records in american political history mm-hmm. he is still the king maker he does still drive people out to vote and the idea of driving him out of the poll position of the party well look I think a lot of people have forgotten 2015 and 16. I think a lot of people think that bygones have been bygones in that. It hasn't. What's happened is the Republican establishment, Conservative Inc. in Washington, D.C., they swallowed their pride for a little bit, but they never intended to let this man have the run of the party in the long term. And this is what you're seeing again.
0: I think... we, we've taken a bunch of different angles on it. We've talked about it in extent several times with Raheem on the show. I think that's pretty much the best and honest take right there. When you look at everything from the start of the midterms to where we're at right now, he talks about the multimedia conglomerates, the huge donors, the people that are close to both Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. He talks about failed Republican and establishment leadership in this midterm elections, hyping us up to think of tsunamis coming in and then enjoying the fact that they can make it look like optics only change the narrative, throw it out, regurgitate it, polls, Fox, Newsmax, everywhere. This is all Donald Trump's fault, trying to uh, unseat his grip from everything related to the Republican party. What do you guys think? I agree.
11: I agree hundred percent, hundred percent, a hundred percent.
0: Better than solid commentary from one of our favorite uh, guests on the show and someone who's become a pretty good friend. Um, You know, and and that's just kind of the narrative we've painted for the entirety of the show today. I think uh, only fitting in our our last audio clip of the day and uh, just now a little under five hours away from the big announcement at Mar-a-Lago, Rick Grinnell was talking about the battle lines that are drawn right now between everybody and Donald Trump. Let's hear it. Make no mistake.
5: I I know our base. Donald Trump runs. Donald Trump is the nominee. It doesn't matter what uh, happens in in the race. If somebody else wants to jump in and literally lose, (laughs) then they should jump in and lose. But but there's no question that there's only one person who has been tested and is absolutely going to win with the base. Nobody can get the crowds that Donald Trump has. And I'll just finish with this. If you think that any future president, whether it's Ted Cruz or Ron DeSantis or whomever, Kerry Lake, OK, some future president, if you don't think that their home is going to be raided and they're going to be impeached twice, you don't mm. understand what's happening in the Democratic Party. These people are mm. radicals on the left. Donald Trump has already withstood this incredible outpouring, and he's still standing.
0: Fact check, True. I mean, uh, Alan, we made some pretty good points down the end here. Final thoughts for today.
11: Final thoughts are Republicans need to step it up and make a change and evolve. And it's going to be great and interesting what happens with the big announcement with Donald Trump and who his I know we won't find out tonight, but who his vice president uh, nominee will be. But uh, I think good things are coming. We didn't completely lose and I think we won a lot actually. And I think we're going to continue to win, but it's going to take some work and some change in the party and the
0: messaging.
10: Damn.
0: I like it. That's a <laughs> hot take right there. Antoinette, take us okay. out today.
10: I, I totally agree. Um, it's time for us. Like Alan said, shift and tactics. We need to start doing what they do to us. Use their own ways against them I mean obviously legally but like no holds bar now like it's enough is enough we've held back long enough we've taken the high road we've tried to do everything by the book which we should still keep doing but let's add a little bit of more fire to this let's fight back harder we've been way too soft and I think we all need to like I said earlier regroup recharge and go back out there and kill it once and for all let's get rid of these people on both sides
0: guys i can't agree with you both enough i i think that's the the echoing chorus throughout the course of our show today we brought in so many different people from so many different backgrounds obviously christina bob who was a lawyer she served in the department of homeland security she's now a trump surrogate working as an attorney for save america cash patel who's worked his way up through the complete apparatus Of the D.C. judicial system all the way to be, you know, a a federal criminal attorney there. He then did so many different jobs uh, within the Trump administration, everything from the chief of staff of the Department of Defense all the way up to, you know, special assistant to the 45th president of the United States. We had J.W. Gibbons on today who works with The Daily Caller. I, I mean, just listening to him talk, he's so immersed in so many of the different issues and so many of the things that that younger group We need people like him. We need people like Jake Denton. And then, you know, staying in the same thread, Gavin Wax who's doing such an amazing job at the New York Republican Club, getting young people involved, getting young people mobilized, feeding that young culture how great the nationalist populist movement is. And like I said, I do feel a lot more optimistic than I did on the morning of November 9th. However, I do know that today we take a major pivot. We've already started to see it up on Capitol Hill. It'll conclude tonight with the announcement of Mar-a-Lago and then it's mission forward and mission first. So thanks Alan for joining us today. We'll be seeing you on Saturday. We'll tease it again. The great steak breakfast is our live show. One hour, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. Come on in. Sometimes we've got guests. J.R. Majewski joined us last week. He did a great little segment with us and uh, we're just going to be able to have those live chats open. If you want to talk to steak for breakfast, if you want to talk to the great divide, come on in and join us on Saturday mornings and uh, you know, for everybody else listening. We'll just uh, keep our ears to the ground, watch tonight, and anticipate the announcement that we all know is coming. And uh, like I said, we'll just pick it up again on Friday. Not a bad way to start the week. I do say so myself. Got the big Trump announcement tonight. But uh, critique-wise, I say better than average steak for breakfast. Did you enjoy this episode and like to hear the other 187 Episodes of the show. You can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform or on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podaddict, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on Roku, or even on Frank's Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share. Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to our amazing guests today the lovely Christina Bob, attorney for Save America, Special Assistant to the 45th President of the United States, Mr. Cash Patel. J.W. Gibbons of the Daily Caller, and the 76th president of the New York Young Republicans Club, Gavin Wax. Um, In addition to them, some of our internet friends, Ultra Maga Garbaggio, Patriotic Babe Accounts, Who White Memes, the Republican High Council. We'll keep it at that. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some of your hard-earned cash at our bestest partners. When you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again. Namely, MyPillow. Sleep is very important. Mike Lindell wants to take care of you. Waking up in the morning for work is also important. He's got you covered there too. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout. You're gonna get big, big savings on everything at MyPillow. You're gonna get 25% off the coffee at my store, 50% off if you throw in for a uh, subscription monthly plan. MyPillow.com forward slash STAKE is the website for anything sleep-related, anything coffee-related, mystore.com forward slash steak, or you can talk to a qualified pillar representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever owned can be found at Odyssey. Still don't know? You got to treat yourself a little bit. If you're in the studio and you're doing stuff, podcasting, music, any kind of recording, go get yourself a set of Odyssey headphones. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. My Patriot Cigar Company Get a promo code stake there, you're gonna get 15% off your total order. All orders over hundred bucks. Free shipping. $10 e-gift card with every purchase. Mypatriotcigarcompany.com, a premium smoke for freedom loving Patriots. West Coast Survival Arms. If you own a picture of Ron DeSantis not answering questions about Donald Trump, they will take that image and throw it on a Kydex conceal carry holster. Get your order out faster than ever before. Stay Ready Gear is the website. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man Rubs! Having some chili for dinner tonight, and I man rubbed the meat, the ground beef, threw some man rubs on top of it before I concocted it all together and threw it in the crock pot. It's just simmering at home right now. ManRubs.com is the website. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun related needs firearms, parts, ammo, and accessories. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic, for all our first responders, you're going to like everything they have in their store. You're going to love their Instagram a little bit more. Mediocre Medic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, go get yourself a zero Stuck. You still don't know, my entire car headliner is filled up with them, and we got like a 5x8 patch panel in the studio filled with them as well. Dumpbox.us. Find them on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Upcoming shows we will be back on Friday. Let's see what we got here. Jake Denton of the Heritage Foundation, Josh Hammer, and Liz Harrington will be here. Pretty banging episode. We'll bring it back on Tuesday, the 22nd. Theo Wold, also the Heritage Foundation, former Trump White House assistant, and Devin Nunes will be here. Taking the day off on the 25. Got a bunch of stuff going on following Thanksgiving. We'll bring it back on uh, the 29th. Still uh, waiting to see what guests we're going to have in that day, but looking forward to December on the 2nd. We're going to have former Trump campaign staffer, top assistant there, Paul Manafort, and the attorney general. I'm sorry, the surgeon general of Florida, Dr. Lepato will be here. So looking for a pretty good episode. Friends of the week, we've got a bunch. We can't ever forget our truth social Twitch streamers, Beastie Man 420 Real Lazy Boss. Amethy St. Dove, new to the team. American Nintendo, good old-fashioned lover boy, CSM Master, suitcase right back at ya, and Siberian Kitten. Some of our true social friends, Jason E. Van Gundy, Thomas Bama, 13-Gen Patriots. some call me Tim79, and then some of the meme team. Let's go Brenda, Midnight Mitch, Grand Old Memes, Right Wing Savages 2.0, Madam America, Tiffany Mendez, not far out, dumbass Photoshop, Spoopy, I see you creeping on Twitter Mostly peaceful memes And our great friend Ghost Hammer Friends Things to remember Between now and Friday show Number one Do your own research it Takes a lot to put this show together if you start doing your own research You'll know that That's the only way to go Number two Start a podcast Noah Sorry But the internet Wasn't ideal today Number three Let's start talking about American greatness again If there's one thing I can guarantee tonight, Donald Trump will start talking about the need to talk about American greatness again at his uh, presidential kickoff press conference. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 187 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back. Don't worry. Episode 188 on Friday. Jake Denton, Josh Hammer, and Liz Harrington will be here. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Thanks for listening and take care.
12: Uh, Talking to a friend of mine, he used to live in Georgia, and he said, The way to guarantee Herschel's win is not about money, it's about unity, Republican unity.
11: Would it be not ideal for you and for your runoff chances to have Donald Trump on stage, Ron DeSantis on stage, Glenn Youngkin, and Governor Kemp, and anyone else who is a prominent Republican conservative all together, putting all their differences aside? and urging the voters to get out to save this Senate for Republicans, wouldn't that be ideal?
1: Well, that would be totally ideal, and I would absolutely, absolutely love it, because this is not an ego for Herschel Walker. This is about the people of Georgia.